Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 2, Episode 24. The bombs have almost ceased dropping, but we got a good one for you today. We got The 13th Warrior from 1999, directed by John McTiernan. I'm Joel Scola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. I'm not quite Beowulf McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. She says the 13th man must be no Northman. What the hell are you saying? The 13th warrior is you. Man, I kicked that one back and forth for a while. I didn't know what I was going to do with this episode. Oh, it's motherfucking Beowulf. <laughs> he is Beowulf for sure. I almost did the 33 and a third warrior, but <laughs> I wasn't quite sure if I could get that all out in one fell swoop. The oops I got picked out of a hat warrior? <laughs> in Antonio Banderas's, uh case. I'm not really Arabic warrior? Yeah! <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> He doesn't even try to hide his Spanish accent. My God. And it's totally fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah, this isn't Ben Kingsley playing Gandhi here, guys. Yeah, but casting a Spanish person as a Middle Eastern person is like, it's it's Hollywood going like, oh, that's a safe brown person because we're still scared of brown people. Yeah, right. Well, that guy's also brown. Okay. He's tan. <laughs> I mean, he is a good actor. Like, I'll give him that. But, like, it just doesn't match. Yeah. Yeah, only, he, we're only, what, a year off of uh, Mask of Zorro. On this, at this, well, no, actually, right, yeah, that's not entirely true. <laughs> um, this film was made two years before it was released, so another one that sat on the shelf for two years. Uh, you're telling me, well, here, the, the thing with this one, too, is like, uh, whereas Deep Rising was like a special effects uh dilemma, this was like a we don't like what you're doing. We're going to have to hire somebody else to come in here and like reshoot a bunch of shit and kind of. I heard, and I don't, uh, this is just pieces of stuff because I didn't go digging because I knew you were going to do all this stuff. I heard sure. Michael Crichton even came in to uh, direct some shit. Also, when I said <laughs> another movie that sat on the shelf for two years, I was talking about Pluto Nash. Oh. Yeah, I was saying it's like three in a row. Okay, yeah. Well, that seems to always be. <laughs> a part of the problem, right? When the production shit goes wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fuck it. We spent all that money, let's put it on the shelf until we figure it out, or whatever. Or until it gets lost. Or, One right. or the other. Until it becomes New Mutants. <laughs> oh, no. That, that, that's, well... I really hope that comes out someday. That hurt you, I can tell. It did, because, like, that looked good and promising and different in a good way. So, yeah, let's just start from the top with this guy. Um, The... So this is this film is based on the book Eaters of the Dead by Michael Crichton. Um, Michael Crichton, from what I've read anyway. Now I haven't actually read this book, and like it, like I fucking want to, like a moron. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna try to read the book before we do the show, and I'm like, yeah, and fucking <laughs> read a Michael Crichton book in a week. <laughs> read any, read a Goosebumps book in a week with the shit that I have going on. No, it's just <laughs> no. It's just not going to happen. So I was kind of kidding myself on that one. However, I do. I, I would like to read it at some point. Um, he. So from what I understand, he wrote this in response to somebody telling him that like Beowulf was is boring. It's not as epic as they as they think it should be. And he was like, "Oh yeah, fuck you. Here I go. I'm going to take 
you know, he, he, what, what he's done essentially is weave this story. He takes Beowulf and he takes, um, a fictional text. Like he almost does like a Lovecraft thing with like, oh, well I get these stories from the Necronomicon or I get this information from the Necronomicon. Well, he gets, or like Roger Corman with Frankenstein Unbound, you know, all that stuff really <laughs> happened. <laughs> Yeah, Victor Frankenstein and and uh, and Mary Shelley lived down the street from each other. <laughs> exactly, uh, but yeah, it's, the book is based upon um, the two ancient texts. One of them being, uh, I I believe I'm getting this right. I'm one of them being Beowulf, and the other one being this um, text written by um, the our, our main character, who is um, Ahmed Ibn uh, Fahalan. I believe that's how you say his name. His middle and last name stumble me, but I think it's Ahmad. Ahmad. It, I, he pronounces it Ahmad in the film. Um, I don't know if that's just Antonio Banderas' accent or what, <laughs> but that's the way it is. We apologize if there's anyone out there who's, who's upset with pronunciation. I'm going to call him Eben. Listen, if someone's upset about pronunciations with this show, they would we would have lost them a long fucking time yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Or we'll just call him Little Brother. How about that? That's a nice one. There you go. That's what everybody calls him in the film. Zorro was there. <laughs> <laughs> the the second Zorro. <laughs> El Mariachi's in this movie. The second Zorro who fought Reverse Flash. This is true. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is in the corner like, where's John Hurt? Well, I, I can't wait for him. I have to go be Odin soon. <laughs> <laughs> Tying it right back to Vikings. I have to be in another Greek myth somewhere. Or, excuse me, Norse mythology somewhere. Yeah, and then fucking Liam Neeson just walks by in that Qui-Gon robe and just, like, <laughs> quietly shuffling along. Get out of here, you. We don't like your kind here. So John McTiernan, all right, if you got, you guys want to introduce him and, and break his uh, filmography down, do we want to do that? Do we want to do that first? Oh, boy. He's, uh... <laughs> Before we get into the history? The guy made a lot of good movies. Starting off with Predator. Yes. Yeah! Going in the Die Hard. The Hunt for Red October. Last Action Hero. There's not a dud yet. Like, nope. <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance. They're all good. The Thomas Crown Affair. Holy shit. And the, the you know, Rollerball. The remake with Paul Heyman. Oh, wow. What a hard drop off there. Pass on that one. But um, everything else is amazing. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, he did not take a pass on Rollerball. In fact, he wiretapped the producer of the film. What? And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Went to jail for it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Two counts of lying to the FBI. Oh, my God. Why did he tap the producer? <laughs> I, I don't fully know. You know, I read it right before I watched the film just out of curiosity. Oh, my God. He had his own Watergate? That's great. <laughs> He tried to deny it, then they had proof that he did it, and, you know, the litigation went on for years. Oh, my goodness. He served 328 days in jail, and he was fucking on house arrest for 12 months. Fuck, man, almost a cool year. Yeah, and then he, I guess, uh, sometime after this or during all this, he uh, lost all his fucking money to debt. They liquidated all his assets and took his fucking house. Oh, wow. Did he kill himself? He's still alive. He's still kicking. Yeah, I would have fucking just, yep, I would have been like, well, that's that. Had a good run. See you later. Yeah, it's fucking, it is over. Yeah, I don't think he's made anything since uh, Rollerball. He might have had one other film that didn't jump out at me, but that's it. How come he's not running the convention circuit? He can make a buck. I'd go get my Predator poster signed. <laughs> you know, he's got that thing on his leg. He can't really walk around too far. <laughs> <sighs> he holds conventions on Skype in his kitchen. I like to think he's building, like, cardboard sets from his movies and, like, 
running around in them with like his like grandchildren or something. He's got like a giant like booger crusted beard in like his backyard, and he just like hasn't. He just has like miniatures of all of his movies. He's like Predator's still happening, <laughs> waiting for that check from NECA yeah. or NECA. <laughs> John, you know, right here, I'm fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so. So that's John McTiernan's uh, legacy. Legacy? <laughs> <laughs> Question mark, yeah, for sure. Career death. Um, so yeah, so then we get to this film. And so like, like, like we were talking about, you know, it was made two years prior. So this came out in 1999. So this would have came out in 97. So it would have... So this and Deep Rising would have been sharing the fucking the, the summer slots, I feel like. Oh, this was lose-lose no matter where they fucking put this thing. Uh, I know, <laughs> but like that would have been a good su- that would have been a good summer. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. So this was originally titled Eaters of the Dead just like the just like the novel, right? Which is a much better title. I'm sorry. I think so. I think so too, but it's probably also a much better book. Now, before I I, I keep going with this, I just want to come to back to the book one more time. The book is told like a diary from the perspective of other storytellers, right? So it's like it's like the recovery, like I said, like H.P. Lovecraft kind of thing, where it's like the recovery of said document and or manuscript, and here we're explaining it. And to, add, to, to further add to it, there's like annotations on the side to make it more le- legit, which kind of confused a lot of people and actually... A lot of people thought this was a real thing. <laughs> like, you know how people like, wow. again, like when people went go searching for the Necronomicon, people are searching for uh, Eben's uh, 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 manuscript and like origins and things and they just don't exist. Well, they don't exist because a Spaniard wrote uh, texts that, that were found, I guess, in Baghdad. <laughs> About Vikings. Everyone was like, what is this poppycock? What are you talking about? Uh, I like that Michael Crichton wrote a book out of spite. Um, <laughs> that's what it seems like, right? Like, like I'll show you this could be fucking fun. I'll show you, young whippersnappers, that Beowulf is where it's at. Well, guess what? We're gonna make a tribe that fucking eats people. What do you think of that? You don't know what's hip. I know what's hip. I wrote Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, right. I wrote Congo. Sure did. So dig. So this movie. Now I don't really have. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I want to say that there was like another hour to this film. What's the runtime on this fucking bad boy? Anybody know? It's like ninety. It's like an, uh, like ninety minutes. It's I like- don't know if I could have watched that. I thought this movie already ran a little long, honestly. I didn't. I thought it. I thought it was a brisk pace, but if, with this type of film, I I don't mind the longer runtime. I.e., Lord of the Rings, right? I don't mind the option of a director's cut. Right. No. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. They re-edited this movie like seven fucking times. Oh my god! And then cut a bunch of shit that John had shot originally, like the like like it was from the book, right? Then. Uh, they hired fucking Michael Crichton to come in, direct, like, come back and, like, finish directing the film by adding, the, like, 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 filming these new scenes for it. Um, and he went and, like, changed a bunch of shit from the book as well, like, on purpose. But, um, there was a whole score, too, that was done for this film. Like, in the can. Really? In the can, done. And then... Crichton came in and was like, fuck you. And then he they hired Jerry Goldsmith <laughs> and they rescored the whole fucking movie. Dude, this this shit just fucking happened with Justice League. Really? Yes. They they Junkie XL and Hans Zimmer were like actively working on the score. I believe it was almost done. 
And they're like, nah, fuck it, we're having Danny Elfman come in and just do lazy covers of other people's work, including his own. Well, he's been doing that for years, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, like, he came and did this, like, really, like, limp-dicked fucking superhero score that included his own Batman theme. I'm like, this is insulting. Like, (laughs) That's kind of crazy, though. Jerry Goldsmith again. Yeah, two in a row, but, or, uh, not in a row. But, you know, Deep Rising. Oh, God, imagine that Pluto Nash by Jerry Goldsmith. That movie wishes it had fucking Jerry Goldsmith scoring that. I know, right? It needed something. This score, for some reason, every now and then, dangerously sounded like it was getting close to becoming the Harry Potter theme. Yeah. And it just goes off and changes. Like yeah. Antonio Banderas just turns to the camera. I'm not going home. <laughs> not really. He's quarrel with the fucking, with the turban on. Oh, jeez. He's got the Dark Lord on the back of his neck. <laughs> Uh, so, so the original um, guy who scored this was, uh, I believe it's Graham or Green. I don't know. Look that one up. Green uh, Graham Revel, um, and I haven't heard any of the work that he's done, or at least know his name anyway. But yeah, he was replaced. The whole score was replaced with um, Jerry Goldsmith stuff. Um, and yeah, so re-edited several fucking times, reshot by Michael Crichton himself. Um, with deliberate changes to the source material, new score, fresh coat of paint. Now it's called the Thirteenth Warrior, and we're two years off <laughs> the initial the, the the time when it was supposed to be released. And here we go. I heard this movie talked about in thirty twenty ten recently, which is another pop culture show, and they mentioned Thomas Crown Affair because the person talking about it said, "Yeah, um, this movie and Thomas Crown Affair came out like." really close together because John McTiernan had time to go do another film and then come back to this. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he did Thomas Grant Affair while doing this, technically. While still attached to this movie. That's fucking insane. But I think we can probably crunch this plot very easily because it's very condensed. It's super condensed. Yeah. And when you're adapting uh, Beowulf into another story and then adapting that story into a movie... With Michael Crichton peppered in there. Right. Um... It's even it's even more abridged, but it's basically if you took if you took Beowulf and stripped I don't know it's like if you took Beowulf and you you sucked all the legend out of it and you applied stuff that could conceivably happen and not like absolute fantastical things right you, yeah right you take you take out all of the kind of um, supernatural elements and then you suddenly ground every you, and then you take the conflict that is in Beowulf and you you ground the shit out of it and suddenly you have this more believable but still somehow just as terrifying situation for sure um there's a lot of things i just want to preface with like there's a lot of things in this film that are done super well that i really like and i'm just going to come out right now i'm not going to tell you why but uh i I like this movie um and i didn't get a chance to go see it i remember hearing about it and seeing trailers for it and then just kind of fucking farted it was like a fart in the wind see you later Never heard of from it again. Um, and then I still... This is actually the first time I've actually sat down and watched the whole fucking thing. Because um, I've seen pieces of it, like, on television. I I feel like I've heard of this movie before I watched it uh, earlier today. But, uh, you know, nothing fucking rang a bell. You know, I'm sitting down watching this just like, okay, this is what this movie is. Sure. This is my first experience with it. I didn't know anything about it going in except the fact that I know lots of people whom I trust who kept saying they've seen it and they loved it and... Uh 
that it also it was a complete box office disaster. Yeah, I had a little Shyam- Shyamalan shit going on in my brain with this, uh, almost like The Village. Yes, I thought of that. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is how you do that concept, but don't make it immediately lame. Yeah, it's really good. I still like The Village. Come on. Nah, fuck The Village. <laughs> Because I mean, I'm not gonna die in a hill over it. No, 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 no. I mean, it's a cool concept. It just kind of it meanders. I mean, I don't ha- look. I don't. I don't hate it, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, well, the twist isn't even the good. There should have been monsters, I guess, is what I'm saying. And in present day, spoiler, spoiler to a 20 year old film. I think we're okay. <laughs> Darth Vader's Luke's father. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> Great. Now I can't go see the, the rise of the Skywalker. So, uh, Antonio Banderas' character is a poet who decides to uh, bang the wrong woman uh, and gets exiled from his... Where does he live? Baghdad. It's exiled from Baghdad, and basically he's given, like, this garbage job as an ambassador to, like, kind of, like, what is it, like, the, they, like the, uh, the, the the tribes out in, like, kind of the wilds and stuff? Yeah, he's, like, respected, but, like, they're like, so, you know, we're not gonna kill you, but we're gonna just send you away. We can't execute you, we can't jail you, but we will tell you to leave. <laughs> right, because he's, like, a noble or some shit. Right. Yeah. It's, like, be- becoming the ambassador of a fucking outhouse somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's, like, being demoted to, like, I don't know, it's, like, well, you're still an officer of the law we're gonna have you work at the mall okay yeah <laughs> and uh while he's kind of out on i guess just kind of out riding one day uh th- they run across some vikings who then through uh some cultural shenanigans uh kind of conscript antonio banderas's warrior to go help them defend a viking village from what they perceive to be as monsters from the wilds fact um what's funny is most of that is streamlined in the f- in it, it insane amount of time <laughs> it's just like oh yeah. okay we're here and now we're here okay great it's kind of one of my favorite things about this movie is it's just like it's kind of going like all right let's go <laughs> well and you know the first like i'll say 20 minutes heavily relies on like uh voiceover between antonio banderas and omar sharif uh who's like this translator character that that helps him in the beginning of the film omar sharif went on to say that he hated the way this <laughs> film turned out yeah, I read and that he too. hated it so much that he took a break from acting. I think that's a little dramatic. He almost retired. That is really fucking dramatic. Like we're talking about the guy who was in fucking Arabian Nights. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Like to be that upset about it. No, it's not bad. But then again, what's his face? Fucking Alec Guinness didn't ever want to have anything to do with Star Wars, and it's like one of the most fucking uh, money-making movies of all time. This is true. It's like it's like Christopher Plummer being upset the way Force Awakens turned out and just, like, stopped acting. It's like, come on, dude, you were in that movie for eight seconds. <laughs> exactly, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> like, shut up. What, did Omar show up for a day and was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quitting acting even though I'm 70-something. I'm going to my room, don't bother me for a while. So, Antonio Banderas, you know, like Connor had said, you know, uh, he... He fucks the wrong chick, and dude's like, okay, you're gonna be ambassador of fucking Sandtown somewhere. See you later. So he, they leave, and him and Omar uh, Sharif jump on a horse and, and literally hit the road. And we come across this, 
it's not even a okay so they come across a camp but like they see them in a boat or they're being chased by somebody at some point well first the sand people come after them (laughs) that's right some ridiculous historical shenanigans go down for them this this made me cackle because it was like the battle of kruger (laughs) antonio banderas and omar sharif are on horsebacks and they're like oh no a tatar raider group and they just get chased down to the river and they're like oh no vikings like uh, yeah, the Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> oh, no. look, Jawas. And the t- uh, the fucking Vikings are on a boat just, like, rowing up the stream. You're like, what a happy coincidence this is. And then the, <laughs> the Raiders are like, mm, yeah, we're good, and just leave. Yeah, because you're about to get fucking fridged by some, <laughs> some Northmen. <laughs> no, no fucking kidding. You don't want to be accidentally murdered by the Vikings who just happened upon you. That's the other thing, too. They're like, oh, shit, you don't want to fuck with those cats. <laughs> and, then it, and then somehow they end up, they, like, walk. They're like, oh, I guess we should go the other way. And they like walk right into their base camp yeah they t- they kind of walk right over to it's not even like a base camp it's it's a it's a ceremony they have set up on the shoreline well yeah it's actually um because their king had just died you find out um also omar sharif knows how to speak norse well i looked that up because i was so confused about that yeah no it's not that it's that uh herger uh, the one that they first kind of start to commune with speaks Latin. Ah. Uh. Exactly. And that that wasn't really conveyed well, I feel like, unless you know Latin or you pick up on that. But I was just like, what the fuck? How does he know Norse? It did sound strange for a second. It's like a Wikipedia bullet point you gotta find. Yeah, exactly. Because it doesn't, it, it wasn't like hunger dinga dark, and you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like... Well, thank God. I'm not trying to fucking make fun of it, but I'm saying it didn't sound like a Norse accent. Like, I was like, what the fuck is... No, yeah. And that did sound weird so that's cool i guess this guy knows latin but why would he know latin i who knows you know it's like the vikings have been all over the fucking place like i can kind of buy it that one of them knows a language that the rest of them haven't picked up on i'm talking about the the arabic man oh i don't know i mean like you know he's supposedly antonio banderas is like father's good friend so maybe he's just like a world traveled guy he could be i mean they're both learned right so like yeah right they're they're neither of them are like shit heels they are like not royalty, but, like, in that type of circle. Yeah, like nobles or just, like, lords of some kind, whatever the equivalent of that is in Arabia. He even says at some point, my mother was a noble. But this character, this Viking uh, character they're talking to, ends up, throughout the film, kind of becoming, like, Banderas's, you know, buddy. Like, his one, like, true friend in this group. I love this dude. Herger's my favorite character in this in this whole thing. Herger's great, yeah. Uh, his full name is um, Herger the Joyous. <laughs> <laughs> Lines up, man. They all have pseudonyms, right? Yeah. Is that what you call? Oh, no, surnames, right? The whatever as a surname. Well, I think it's just like I think in the, like their their script character name is Herger the Joyous. Like the movie, they're never called that in the movie. But like if you look up their character names, they're all no. It's the leader, the joyous, the musician, the archer, the rider, the wise, the fat, the silent. Right. If you look up their Norse legend, that's their name. I was gonna say, you know, I'm just po- pulling this information straight from the TV show Vikings, so I don't know how fucking accurate that is, but I know in that show which is semi based on history um you know th- there's characters that have like last names like there's Bjorn Ironside and it's like you know it's it has to do with like things he's done it's not necessarily like just some family name yeah because Ivar the Boneless is uh he's he's a cripple but like he's fucking terrifying right exactly exactly who's my favorite character in that show based on my brief experience with it oh <laughs> uh, yeah he's pretty good his father Ragnar Lothbrook was pretty badass for the piece of shit Viking that he was <laughs> um but anyway uh, yeah it could just be names 
that they just threw at it. So when you saw the fucking end credits, you knew who you were talking about or it could have been their Viking name. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. Ooh, the archer. I know that guy. Well, they're all based on uh, Beowulf's party, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. They're all slightly changed, yeah, because, like, our main dude isn't his name isn't beowulf but i'm gonna call him fucking beowulf because it might as well be yeah he's beowulf it's bullywolf or something like that it's bullwolf bullywolf yeah bullwolf i was like thanks Crichton, you fucking jackass i want to talk about this dude for just a second his name is the actor who plays uh bullwolf is uh vladimir kulik and he is first of all he's massive and not like massive like a pro wrestler but like you look at everybody else on screen you're like that guy is the center of attention every time because he's got this like this menacing looking blonde hair and a face like a fucking like it's like a craggy mountain and he just looks like he has death in his eyes all the time he's the scourge of moldavia man he, he looks like vigo he's also the voice of ulfric stormcloak in skyrim so i knew he had an effect on me somewhere oh my god is it really <laughs> yes it is um, who, and if you haven't played Skyrim, I don't know, Joe, have you? No. He is the, one of the central characters in a plot between basically the Skyrim natives who are basically Nords. Um. He's kind of an asshole. He is kind of an asshole and kind of a racist. And he voices this guy? Yes. That's fucking cool, though. A great character. Oh, he's a cool character because he, he assassinates the king in Skyrim with a, uh, with a shout, which is like this magical, uh, word you can speak that will either destroy something utterly or kind of have other some magical effect. So their king just, so they, so they roll up on these guys, Antonio Banderas and, and, and Omar Sharif, roll up on these Vikings and, and he's speaking Latin to him and that's how they translate to Omar and then Omar translates to Antonio Banderas in English so we can understand, but they're speaking Arabic to each other, which is cool. And remember that. Um, so they find out that the king, their king is dead, or he had just died, so they're about to have a funeral for him. Um, and and they do. And then, um, you know, complete with burning the fucking boat and everything. True Viking funeral. But not before one of Bullwiff's brothers stands up, tries to murder him, and then gets promptly wrecked. Promptly wrecked? This motherfucker... Those are Vikings, man. <laughs> that shit happened. He gets gutted like a goddamn fish. He stands up for, like... First of all, this guy has it coming because, like, this this woman passes by with a tray of drinks. This piece of shit shoves her into Bullwolf. He takes a swing and just gets his ass kicked. Dude, that was their life, man. They gotta take any fucking advantage they can get. He's like, I knew it was gonna be you. He fucking stands up and just fucking cuts this dude in half, pretty much. Like, the whole front of him opens up. Yeah, he just stands up and just slices his chest all the way open. And, like, there's blood everywhere, and everyone's like, alright, back to eating. Yep, just sit back down and fucking, you were saying, Antonio Banderas, you were gonna sing us a song of glory? I do like, too, how they have in the Viking funeral, they actually have like his courtesan or his wife or whoever that's supposed to be also sacrificed, which is fucked up, but that's what they did. Yeah. And she is. She sure is. And this is the first taste of it. Well, besides the guy getting fucking gutted at the table, this is the first <laughs> instance of, or the second instance of Antonio Banderas being like, what the fuck is wrong with these savage motherfuckers? This is how you guys do dinners? They constantly are showing Ahmad's fucking eyes just like twitching in this film. Yeah. I kind of love that his, like, for a while, his he's this constant look of disbelief. He's like, my God. <laughs> Oh, man. This is also normal to you people. Yeah. Then it's the next morning and, like, everybody's waking up from being drunk in the exact same spot we left them <laughs> at the table. It is, it's fantastic. It's great. The Vikings, like, start passing around this fucking, like, wash bowl. And, like, these dudes are like... <laughs> 
drinking the water in it and then like spitting it back in it and then like hands it off to the other one does the same exact thing he blows his nose in it yeah hands it off to the last guy and he's like washing his face with it and blowing his fucking nose out in it and he hands it to antonio banderas he's like that's fucking disgusting he's like i think not and just passes it to omar sharif he pushes it away with like one finger across the table (laughs) omar sharif looked like he might have done it until that guy blew snot into the fucking thing like he's like a guy you know i gotta follow their culture ow maybe not pass and it's not just like a casual like it's not just yeah it's not one nostril blow he's like he takes like four or five attempts and just starts shooting snot rockets into this thing oh yeah then there this messenger boy appears right the little page boy haircut it was so funny yeah there's some kind of I, i don't know how much you guys know about the viking culture or the of the or what are they called the the vargarian is that what it is that uh accurate uh, i'm not sure uh i don't know i i'm more of like a fan of uh norse culture than i am knowledgeable of it varangians or varangians uh i'm not sure i i know who this kid comes from is king rothgar who is like one of the i want to say he was like the king of denmark back in the day uh, 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 uh. there is no king of denmark <laughs> Remember? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Granny Van Dam. <laughs> it was before or after he banished the Van Dams. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is before the whole incest thing and coming to fucking New oh England. Oh my god, of all the movies for it to tie back to. <laughs> uh, check out Bleeders Season 2, Episode I Don't Know. You know I'm here somewhere. <laughs> So, so this kid comes in and like, now, okay, this is what I wanted to ask you. Um, so they, he's, they say something like, oh, he's been waiting in the mist to wait because like the Vikings aren't sure if he's real or not. Right. Because Antonio Banderas' character comes in, he's like, there's a boy on a boat out there. And Herger's like, yep. And he's like, okay, what, is that important? <laughs> and Herger's like, basically says like, he's making it, he's making himself seen. And when Antonio Banderas kind of asks why, he's like, because he wants, like, he kind of wants us to know he's real, because if he came from the mist, like, we wouldn't be sure if he was some kind of spirit or some kind of, like, right. uh, like malevolent entity or something like that. Or I guess that's like a cultural thing they don't fully understand, like, yeah. what's real and what's not. Oh, there's a lot of that, and I think it's funny because Antonio Banderas is like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's standing right there. Yeah, he's right there. I can smack him. I can see him. <laughs> I can throw a rock at him right now. His set of cultural beliefs are, like, completely different than theirs, and I, I love kind of those little touches they give it to you subtly but but informatively which i really like he's like he's like waving his hands the kid he's like look child like i can see him yeah it's he he sure is standing there so the little kid comes in and he's like oh yeah i the 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 ancient evils come back and you know they're going to kill us all Wait, that, I fucking just delved into some fucking lamb bear there. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, the kid's like, <laughs> the kid's like, oh yeah, there's some kind of ancient evil plaguing our lands, and my dad sent me here to tell you guys that we need help. Can you help us? Well, I'm here to call the Viking Avengers. Yeah, pretty much. You know, a Viking Avengers assemble. Well, and then, you know, he's asking for help, and Beowulf is kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll help you. But uh, no one really stands up, and then you just hear this fucking bones rattling. I'm here, everyone! (laughs) A bachelor party you shouldn't have. This old fucking hooded lady comes in with a goddamn turtle shell full of bones. She's like, King Willie, man. It's like the fucking, the, the, the... 
the witch from Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. Like, she comes in rattling bones in this little bag. Oh, yeah, man. It's always the same. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like the town seer, like the yeah. oracle, whatever yeah. you want to call her. Yeah. Truly dread. Truly dread. But yeah, she kind of comes in, and she's, it's fucking, it's, it's Granny Van Damme, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just found a new place to hang out. There's lots of people. She's still looking for Gunner, man. She's still trying to find him. Yeah, lots of, lots of men, just, you know, just her flavor. Yeah, she's trying to get them to take off their fucking tunics. She's like, I need 13 of you, yes. Naked? Naked. I mean, cut that out. I didn't say that. I mean, what? What? <laughs> also, the kicker here is like, when the kid says that these they need help to fight the, these these uh this evil, they are all convinced that they are these monsters that they don't even fucking speak the name of. Yeah, the Voldemorts. The- <laughs> An army of Voldies. Yeah, these things are called the Wendell, and we don't get that name for a while because nobody wants to talk about it. Which kind of sounds like Wendingo. Which kind of sounds like Grendel. Yes. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. That's exactly what it is. It's like half man, half beast. I'll be honest. I was waiting for a fucking arm to get stapled to a wall, but uh, we never did get that. I was waiting for Crispin Glover to yell at Angelina Jolie for a little while, too. Oh, God, I forgot that existed. <laughs> Yeah. What a piece of shit. I haven't actually seen that. It's not a good movie at all. I didn't think so. With that like horrible effects, you're like, ah, it's like a new style of effects. It's like see it's like the Polar Express. Yeah. <laughs> With Beowulf. It's that fucking horrifying Zemeckis animation, but he tried to do it with, you know, like with the Beowulf story, and it comes off as so fucking cheesy, and then if you watch the director's cut, it's horrifyingly gruesome. And just really off-putting, and the whole thing is just like there's like an entire scene in that movie that feels like a Cirque du Soleil act. Oh, I'm sorry, I did see the one when Grendel attacks like them all in the hall. Yeah, and Beowulf is doing naked cartwheels across a chandelier, and his men are being devoured beneath him. He sure is. The <laughs> fucking people are getting their heads bitten off and fucking smashed in. And he's like, "Let me do a twirl, yeah! Look at my balls!" So Granny Van Dam rolls the fucking dice out of the turtle shell, and she gets fucking Yahtzee and says, "You know what? There's 13 motherfuckers I gotta go on this trip." But everybody's everybody's kind of stepping up, right, and and saying their piece in in Norse and. Uh, Omar is translating it. You have my bow and my axe. You, you can count on my axe, you fucker. And my Mjolnir. <laughs> Sig Volson's there. When are we going? Oh, P.S. So, so Sig Volson, uh, uh, um, um, yeah, good, good enough, good enough. That guy. Sure. Does anybody else agree with me that if Sig Volson were still alive, he'd be in this film? Oh, yeah. Oh, 1,000%. I think he'd be, um, Bullwolf. I mean, he's in fucking Die Hard. John would have brought him back, right? Yeah. I firmly believe he probably would have been Bullwolf. So, yeah, Valfka's like, we need men for to kill the ancient evil. So, Granny Van Dam rolls the fucking dice. 13 warriors, everybody steps up, but... Before everybody's so there's twelve warriors picked. She's like, "You dog meat." <laughs> yeah, she holds up this fucking token of this little brown man, and she's like, and she's screaming something. She's like, "Hey, you, Antonio Banderas, the, the fake Arab. You need to go too." And they're like, and Omar's like, "Oh, the what, you know the thirteenth warrior isn't." Um, the cannot be a Northman. One of the Northmen. It has to be. Yeah, it has to be somebody else. And Antonio Banderas says, "All right, it was nice knowing you, Omar." Okay, Antonio Banderas, you need to go be the thirteenth warrior, TM. And then, and then there's a record scratch, and Antonio Banderas is like, "Now you must wonder how I got here." <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't always 13th warrior, but when I do... It's a complete accident. It's a complete accident. My brother Machete put me in a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> Anton Antonio kills? Yeah. Antonio kills again. This isn't really a machine gun. It's actually a machine gun in my guitar case. And then, yeah, slam cut, and then you're just like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna go 13th Warrior now, and, like, he, just, he has no objections to it. Oh, it's the fucking, it's a, it's a 13th Warrior registered trademark, because then we just hop on a fucking, uh, uh the, the, the trail. that We hop on a horse and fucking go. Wave goodbye to Omar, see you later, never again. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, this guy literally can't speak to these dudes at all. Yeah. Right? Period. Now, again, like I said before, we can only understand... Antonio Banderas and Omar because they're speaking Arabic and we need to know what they're saying yeah. in English, right? It's English in quotes. It's for, you know, it's, the, it's viewer purpose, essentially. Right, it's for viewing purposes. Now, I thought this part of the film was so fucking cool because, like, it's this quick kind of montage shots of them at their camps each night. Yeah. Like, each night they camp, right? Because they're on horseback. Um... And they're just spitting fucking Norse, and he has no idea what they're saying. But then after a while, after a few of these scenes, um, you hear words start to come through the Norse, like horses. And like, uh, and then I said to him, whatever, you know what I mean? And then by the time uh, the end of the montage comes, one of the dudes like makes fun of Antonio Banderas' mom. He's something like, yeah, and he, she was a fucking brown whatever shadow person just like his mom was i guess and then the audio like the music and their everything else drops out and antonio Banderas just goes he's like my mother was of noble birth and then you hear that record scratch again yeah i at least knew who my father was <laughs> you fucking pig whore motherfucker he says there's pig whore yeah he calls him yeah pig whore something and like like <laughs> the vikings are like <gasps> What? A what? Fucking dude goes over to fucking beat his ass. He's like, where'd you learn how to speak good language? And he's just like, I listened. And the guy just goes, ah, fucking A, give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and then he can just speak it beautifully the rest of the film. Oh, the whole film. Now we're, now everybody's speaking English because we can understand them. Since since he can, we can. And I thought that was just really fucking cool how they did that. I also like the Bully Wolf kind of immediately sees him as perceptive and I think pulls him aside, not like, like almost immediately after this and kind of, uh, okay, sometimes and even through rewinding, the accents of this movie really made me lose some of the words they were speaking. Agreed. It was also very low. I had to turn it yes. up. Yes. Um, like I had to go look up the word Wendell. I wasn't sure they were saying and like, is this where he kind of pulls him aside and asks him to write? Yeah, he says you can you can write you can draw sounds. He says, yeah, because he's a poet and he writes or whatever. So he basically teaches, um, Vigo, you know, or Beowulf the um, uh, Arabic script how to write. Right, yeah. And I like that there's an immediate like between like the the more respectable members, the the more I guess intelligent and kind of the the. Uh, leader role members of this group are like no you're not a complete putz and like we're gonna make this work immediately right it's also kind of cool there that like he's teaching him arabic script but using norse yeah to have him read it right so he can read arabic now but he knows how to he, he but he's not really he can't really speak arabic but he can read arabic right yeah one of my favorite things about this movie is that you do have these two cultures separated by a lot as far as oh yeah their theology their language their customs their like a lot religion and yeah and it's this very very 
respective merging of cultures, and they just get, they, and it get builds throughout the film. Like it's it's not an immediate you know uh, respect game or like that. Like they all that like these these completely different people really come together and like merge their cultures, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's just really well done the way they do it. So yeah. Do we do the, we do the horse thing now? Sure, because this is funny too. <laughs> uh, yeah, they keep they, they keep calling his horse a dog because it's so small. And then Antonio Banderas is like, "Yeah, I'll show you about my horse." And he jumps on his fucking horse, and then he just starts like jumping over all of these fences and shit. He thought he was at Lon Lon Ranch for a second. <laughs> He runs a fucking full obstacle course and then jumps over one of these fucking Vikings. Oh, dude, he's spending all five of those carrots in one shot when he jumps over the... Foreshadowing. Yeah, he fucking jumps... The last thing he does is jumps over uh, Herger and his horse with his horse, and it looks so fucking bad. It's like terribly composited. It looks bad, but it does not look as bad as this fucking shot of this boat in the ocean that we're coming up to next. Because <laughs> that's the next thing we're doing. Yep, it looks pretty bad. And they show this twice, because in the opening of the movie, it starts with this boat in the water, and then kind of there's like a flashback to everything we just talked about. And it's like, you were really going to show this shot twice? Yeah, it like the same one, right? There's this, It's so shitty, and it, it like zooms out from one of the Vikings' face, faces and like it like goes down a giant wave it just looks like shit yeah well and like the track in the boat is bad too like it's like juddering and it's not quite stable or anything like that no no it's like floating on it kind of yeah <laughs> but all the practical scenes look cool and like also antonio banderas totally does in the beginning in this movie like connor you joke about it but he straight up does one of those hey I bet you're wondering how I got here. Oh, it is. He does. I forgot. In the beginning of the movie, he's like, hello, I'm Antonio Banderas, and let me tell you how I became the 13th warrior. <laughs> I'm just a poet. I, I swear to God, I thought that was going to be like one of the last scenes in the movie, and it's like 20 minutes in, and it's like, nope, we're back to this already. Yeah, I don't know why we needed that either. To grab you, I guess? To grab you. I love that he is, again, like, not through his own fault or anybody else's, but he is always copiously overdressed for a lot of these situations. Yeah. Everyone's kind of in, like, comfortable clothing, and he's, like, got, like, robe on robe on robe i'm like man it's probably fucking cold man like this is like a torrential storm in the ocean that they're trying to navigate that's the style of his of his culture right exactly no that's what i'm saying it's to no man's fault of his own but like he's like trudging through mud and shit and like yeah you're not in clothes for this in climate like well they're all dressed in like furs and shit too yeah but they're also in torrential downpour on like 70 foot fucking waves i was like holy shit and these guys are just like yep another day in the fucking core or whatever another day as a viking just being a viking yeah really yeah some dude like brings him food and he's like throwing up because he's all seasick he's like here you eat something you fucking crazy bastard he's like are we almost there he's, he's like yep <laughs> yep yep, yep mm-hmm. we'll be there as soon as this flaming arrow hits land <laughs> yep i thought that was cool too because um, uh, they they seem to have like this like multi leveled fear of mist. It's not trustworthy. Like it's it's it, like the mist is deception to these people, and I kind of like that because it comes in various forms. It comes in the, the the way that the boy was standing, making himself known, and then in this, like the mist would obscure their vision of land. So they have to kind of find a way to navigate through it. Um, and then the mist is kind of uh, foreboding later on in the movie too. Yeah, I I like that, and I guess that's part. I haven't. I've read, like, the first, I don't know if you want to even call them chapters, but, like, chapter of Beowulf, and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read the whole fucking thing, so I don't, I don't know if this is, like, a part of that story, or if it's a big part of, like, Viking, um, 
mythology or storytelling or what have you of, of with the mist stuff. But um, like you guys were saying, it's so cool because like first he's uh, um, Beowulf is like yelling into the distance. And I didn't know what the fuck he was doing at first. I, th- I thought he was trying to get, like, a signal from, from somebody else, like, on land or looking for somebody. But now I'm thinking about it, because dude tells Antonio Banderas to shut the fuck up, because I guess he's listening for how far his voice travels, like an echo, maybe? Yeah. And then they start shooting the fucking flaming arrows, and then they finally see it hit land, and then he's like, okay, okay, there's land. Yeah, that was awesome. It's cool shit. I love it. Yeah, and I, I don't know about the mist either. I know, you know, I read Beowulf, fuck god you know in high school so we're talking you know a while ago at this point but uh in the mist i I just feel like that'd be something that you know if you've never really had to deal with that before especially if you're out in the friggin ocean well on this little dinghy of a boat like what else you're gonna do it's either that or you're crashing onto the fucking land yeah you have to find some way around it there's no fucking lighthouses you know what i mean it's like what 945 or some shit (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's fucking early, and you know you got to think it's it's year seven. Yeah. You know if this fog is rolling in on a consistent basis when shit's going bad, like your your brain is just gonna tell you that oh this is a bad fucking thing. Um, so yeah, they they get on land and they're they're starting to fucking you know find their bearings, and then uh, Rothgar's fucking messenger shows up. And uh, they 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 almost kill this poor bastard. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're like, we smell perfume. It must be a woman. And then this like <laughs> fucking like tarnished warrior comes up on a horse, and he's like, follow me. So they get to this village, and it's just like ransacked to shit. All the men are dead. Like I think one of them even says like, there's there's not a man here, but you know between fifteen and fifty or some shit like that. Except the king's son, and he's like just the worst oh who's that fucking douchebag from game of thrones the kid the child prince oh joffrey <laughs> yeah he's like fucking joffrey this guy he is very joffrey he doesn't really do anything though honestly he's just a fucking asshole but he's immediately detestable like you're just like he has like one scene where he's a dickhead and then he kind of just fucks off for the rest of the film he sure does as he should have because he's a dickhead uh we get to like the king's house it's like a log cabin, like a big ass fucking log cabin with these sweet, um, giant, like serpent carved wood carved doors. Really cool shit. Set design is cool. Oh, they're so awesome. And like, there's a cool moment where like, and yeah, and Antonio Banderas, like you, since from his perspective a lot, like you get him taking in like the architecture of this place mm-hmm. and just the surroundings. Yeah, and like he's just kind of in awe of everything. And like in this room, like he looks up and there's a window that's just open this very top for like the rain and the sunshine to, co- to the sunlight to come in. And he kind of like he takes note of it. Right, right, right. And just like everything there, because it's very like, um, ma- like mountain man shit. Like this guy's coming from yeah, it's mud and wood. Right, and he's coming from cities of like stone and sand and 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 some type of mud and concrete. But like we're talking about like hot, arid climates with uh, a lot of nothing around. And now we're in a lush. Yeah, this is mud, wood surrounded by more mud and wood and water and mountains. Yeah, we're in a lush forest. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Also, when they first get to the town before they meet with the King Rothgar, they uh, they did, a bunch of them comment on how there's no defenses for this fucking town, so they're just they're surprised anyone's even alive. Yeah, yeah, because we it's I don't know if we've 
Like, they're not from there, specifically. I don't know if we need to mention that. But yeah, this is a strange place to them. No, but I, the general idea is that the Vikings had similar, you know, structures throughout all of, uh, you know, Norway and Denmark and right. Sweden. They're supposed to be, like, the best of the best, I guess, and that's why they come ask them for help. Actually, they're basically your fucking predator mercs, man. Like, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> I was getting predator vibes at some point because I'm like, you just switch the forests. You switch the fucking, the setting and the and the fucking time period and there you go they talk to this king and he kind of explains to beowulf in more detail like what they're dealing with and like we said there are these wendelos uh, or these wendel creatures um, that they explain have like claws and they attack when the fog rolls in but beyond that they don't really have much information yeah and there's a guy with one eye who i guess is the village idiot who won't shut the fuck up um He's just like, I lost an eye to one of these things. Let me tell you this story. I'm sure that everyone in this room has heard 30 times. Yeah, he's just like, they got great big claws and great big mouth and great big teeth and hair all over their bodies. And sometimes they walk on two legs and then sometimes four. <laughs> and like, I'm imagining everyone in the room is like, oh God, here he goes again. Oh my God, would somebody shut him <laughs> up? <laughs> Some guests walk in, you feel like you gotta do this whole bit every time? Yeah, and then he's like, oh yeah, and then the fireworm, when that comes down from the mountain, it's bad news. Well, the fireworm kills me too, because I guess that's supposed to be like the fucking dragon from Beowulf, because when they're explaining that, right. Antonio Banderas is like, fire snake. He's like, ah, that's not real. A dragon. I don't believe in dragons. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You're stupid. That's stupid. Your culture's stupid. (laughs) Here's a book. Well, and, you know, like you were saying, you know, they they play up the angle of, like, them, you know, the Vikings being ignorant about certain things and Ahmed basically commenting on it and, you know, putting them in their place. But there's stuff, you know, that kind of gets flipped on him a few times that I thought was pretty effective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the relationship this movie has with the idea that, like, these things might be supernatural and they might not be because they kind of very quietly push that envelope a little bit and then almost when it comes too close, they pull it back. There is a... tidbit when we get to these things there's a tidbit that i want to share with you that is mentioned in the book briefly but not mentioned in the film anywhere which kind of makes a little bit more sense oh okay they all go out to this fucking farm after this little boy kind of trails in the town this was harrowing this was terrifying oh it was scary as hell this little boy's running across the moors all bloody and naked. And Antonio Banderas sees him. He just, like, you can't see what's th- what this kid looks like. He just sees a boy running across, like, the uh, like the grass, like, down below. And, like, him and Herger see it first, and uh, their reaction is fantastic. Like, they're, they're it, like, well, the one thing I like about this movie is that no one's ever, like, psh, bullshit. Like, everyone takes the situation at hand very seriously. Yeah. And everyone reacts accordingly all the time. Um, and him and Herger run up to this kid, um, and you finally see him, and he is naked and covered in blood, um, and just not even, he's not even speaking words, he's just making sounds, like he's fucking petrified. And screaming, and, and like covering his ears, it's very, uh, 
nerve-wracking. It's a very scary kind of scene. Yeah, it's visceral. Um, And they get up to him, and before they can answer him, any, ask him any questions, like the village, I guess she's the queen? I Question mark? I guess she is. She, I, Yeah, I think she is, because she commands, a, a, not commands, but she's uh, very authoritative in a lot of scenes, so I, I'm pretty sure she is. She runs up and immediately covers his kid in a blanket, and she's like, I know who he is, and she's like, he, the, where he's from is right up the road, and like, they're, they're, no one's like, alright, yeah, let's go bother the kid. They're like, no, get your shit, we're going to this farm. And they do. And I love the way they they approach this because it's they all take uh, various points of entry. It's like it's, it's like watching a, a a SWAT team. Yeah, like a Black Ops fucking SWAT team or something go in there. Yeah, they sort they get they all find a point of entry. It's awesome. And also, this place looks like it was ransacked already. There's like portions of it that are broken yeah. up or burned. Yeah, this place it's it's in bad shape. It looks like an awesome treehouse though. You have this great line where Eben he fucking he steps in front of the archer and he's like. Don't step in front of me. <laughs> Don't stand in front of me. Also, I just remembered this line, and I just want to throw it out there because I thought it was kind of funny. When he's explaining his fucking name to them er- earlier in the film, and he's like, yeah, it's Ahmed Ibn uh, Falan, and they're like, Ibn. He's like, no, well, Ibn means son of. That's not really my name. They're like, we'll call him Ibn. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of lets it go. And then they end up like calling him little brother the whole fucking movie. So they... uh uh Bullwolf kind of says, like, all right, breach. Um, and they do. And it's like, one of them has climbed on the roof and does, like, a fucking Olympic, like, like acrobatic fucking flip roll into this place. But it's like, he goes right through, like, a wall that's made of, like, straw and sticks. Yep. <laughs> fucking blows right <laughs> he, through he it. Crashes, he crashes through, like, Captain Marvel and Avengers. Like, he just, bam! I love this shot because, again, we're telling it from uh, Eben's perspective. And... It's like these wide shots yes. of them going into this house because Antonio Banderas is still far away. And they all come out. And then finally, they they wave them in because it's all right. And now now we go towards the house. And, and now we're with Antonio Banderas. And, and he, and he kind of goes in and expect, inspects the place for himself. And he finds this body strung up like the fuck, like a predator victim with its fucking head twisted off. I was waiting for a wampa to walk around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it's got one arm. It's like, God damn it. There's more people here, too. There's a fucking lightsaber embedded in the fucking wood floor somewhere. Um, the woman has like bite marks all over her and she's all dead in the corner. That was one of the first things I noticed. I'm like, those are fucking teeth marks. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he goes over to the bed because he sees like a little kid's hand like peeking out of it, and he lifts up the blanket and a fucking severed kid hand like arm falls out like Georgie's fucking arm falls out. <laughs> Pennywise was there. It was me. Sorry, Georgie. One of the things that I like about the scene and a lot that pops in the movie is that there's a lot of uh, story points and uh, and acting done through body language because the wide shots you're talking about. These dudes go in, swords ready, gung-ho, and they come out, and their shoulders are down, and they're kind of looking at the floor, and when they wave them in, they're like, I mean, yeah, come on down, because there's no saving the situation. It's very well done. An- another thing, though, with this particular scene is, you know, Banderas throws up just from the site, but you kind of see off, like, in the shadows, one of these Wendell people just kind of observing them. Yeah, there's like there's like a scout or some shit that's like checking them out. And they're actually far off on the ridge, so they were kind of just there and then split. They find an idol. Um they find the fucking the the rawhead rex idol. <laughs> 
the Venus statue. Rawhead! Yeah, they're they're all rawhead worshippers, eating fucking people and shit. Antonio Banderas is like, I found these, it smells like urine. Somebody pissed all over this guy. Somebody pissed all over this whole room. All the penises are missing. (laughs) He ate all of the dicks off. Um, But they say, like, that's the mother of the window. It's right, the mother of the window? Yeah. Yeah, it's like they, they, they all have these little idols, and that's like the mother uh figure for for these people or things or whatever's Grendel's mom keeping up people yeah oh yeah there you go but but again it's it's the Venus statue it's it it's that famous statue you know look it up the Venus statue um it pops up a bunch of times in this film. It's very akin to it, yeah. I mean, it is it straight up. Is it straight up? Oh yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, and then yeah, they they they, they see them they see them kind of scamper away or whatever, like far off in the distance, and then they go back to the king's house. Um, and that's you know that's really where you get that whole thing. Fucking one eye tells them about all the shit, but a big part of it is is the mist of the mountains. So these fucking things come out of the fucking misty mountains and um. And and besiege uh, this town. Um, and I believe they basically get ready for another attack, don't they? For nightfall, yeah. They barricade the fucking king's house and they kind of camp out on the floor in the middle. This was actually where, because I didn't know this was directly based off Beowulf, but this is where I was like, this is fucking Beowulf. Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It looks like fucking Beorn's fucking uh, uh, stable. And all the hobbits are sleeping together? Yeah. Except they get ransacked by fucking monsters. Yeah. And and not just turn into like, oh, you guys can stay here. Yeah. But yeah, they get ready for night. And um, I, uh, I think I think Antonio Banderas and uh, Helfdane have a conversation about uh, uh, th- oh, they call it the th- the thundering mountains. I think there's something with rain and like thunder. Yeah, it's a peak nearby that comes up later on that these things seem to come down from. But it's also coincidentally like where. Um, like, I guess because the acoustics of the land, like, the thunder is very loud. Well, and also the ocean kind of just, the way it hits the rocks, it just is really loud, so they, I think that's also why they make that equation. Gotcha. Yeah. There's also, this is the first of a couple times where Antonio Banderas is like, oh, how can you sleep? Like, this is fucking terrifying. And he's like, yeah. Oh, you know, fear profits a man nothing, so you might as well just get your rests, because there's nothing we can do about it right now. Yeah. Well, that, and he's, he's, Herger the Joyous is very... Like, I mean, like, everyone's going to die, so why are you concerned with it? Like, besides, when we go, we're going to go to a massive fucking dinner hall. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> much what they're so- they're talking about. And each time something bad happens, they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you, Antonio Banderas? Like, just chill out. Like, this is just the way this shit goes. This is all fucking written. Chill out. <laughs> but they're also not being entirely honest with him, because when they go to sleep back at uh, Rothgar's fucking palace, let's call it, uh, he wakes up, like, in a cold sweat. And uh, one of the Vikings kind of grabs him and pulls him down. And he starts looking around and he realizes that <laughs> nobody's asleep. Yeah, they're all fake snoring, like looking around, like waiting for an attack of some kind. And you see these fucking things like creeping around outside, like through the cracks in the fucking walls and shit. These things come in like the fucking ring wraiths in Brie, okay? Like they fucking, <laughs> these, they fucking blow right through the walls. Yeah. They literally fucking crash through the walls. It's, a, it's really awesome. And I kind of was just like, my, I didn't expect this, and, like, my jaw kind of dropped a little bit because we get some crazy shit in this scene. Yeah, and it's really claustrophobic, and, like, the way they're shot is dark, so, like, when you first see you're like, those are bear people. Yeah, they're, they're totally monsters, right? And there's a couple glimpses in this scene where you're like, what the fuck? Because um, <laughs> um, one of the dudes, like, chops off one of their feet, and they're, like, 
clad with like long ass claws on their feet. Yeah, they've got they've got what looks like uh like it looks it's got to be fresh bear pelts and like like bear feet and claws that have been sewn or like attached to their hands. So when these things get cut, they bleed. No, that dude's foot is his foot. It it's like. Are you sure? Because it looked like a bear. It looked like a straight up bear paw. I know it did, but I I think that's the point. Um, and now that we're introduced to these things, I want to just make the comment that um, they're not monsters. They're not demons. They're just dudes, but they're really like feral kind of um, primitive people, right? Yeah, they're more like a tribe. Like tribal people than they are Vikings. Here's the magical thing that you don't know in the movie is that these are relict Neanderthals. Oh, I can kind of see that. Yeah, so that's why. Because it's a scene later, not to jump ahead into the said scene, but you get a good view of a few of these people later on, and a couple of them did have that kind of caveman look to them. Yeah, so they got like they're way sh- they're they're well, they should be a lot stronger. In this scene, they are. And I feel like the other cut of the movie might have <laughs> shown that a little bit better. You know what this suddenly reminds me of now? Congo? No, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, those at first you're like, the fuck are those? But you're like, oh, they're, God, they're cave-dwelling cannibals. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're just crazy-ass Native Americans that are fucking yeah. cannibals. And, uh, but, like, they had to be, like, you know, like these people, like something that was really kind of on the outskirts of any developing society yeah um who never got swept up in like any kind of like cultural evolution well the fucking bears out of the bag because i mean we don't find out till later that they're actual that they're people but they are and i guess what they're attacking just because their food source is low you know they're sick of attacking you know outsiders or like you know people on the edge of humanity they just seem extremely aggressive or hostile like this i could because they're cannibals i guess they would just find like a village like this that's utterly defenseless and just like prey on it until they don't have to yeah they really don't go into it i guess they just eat people i mean they are the they are the proverbial eaters of the dead tm so you know well the best part of this fucking scene yeah they cut one of their hands off but like honestly the best part is this one guy one of the vikings gets his fucking head cut off oh poor ragnar gets slashed across i think the throat and then like four dudes jump on him and just pop his head off like <laughs> this one dude grabs this guy's head twists it and rips it the fuck off yup it comes right off and another one of them dies but they don't even bother showing it like after everything kind of like the dust clears they're like all right where's so and so and they're walking around there's just this fucking mutilated corpse on the ground <laughs> oh, yep and they're all just kind of like yep that happened okay yeah and this is this is something i'm gonna bring up as the movie progresses yeah it was uh uh Heglak and ragnar who died during this um i couldn't tell you which one of the two of them are except for like i know ragnar had a brown hair and a beard and they make a point which it comes up later believe it or not but that they took the heads of the two they killed mm-hmm. yeah they take the heads of uh of everyone they kill which is not the guy that got the farm had no head but right at first when these two guys die and antonio banderas is like oh my god like it's terrible herger's like whatever they're in valhalla now like it's cool and he like fucking bites an apple and walks away or some shit like also Banderas has this massive claw mark across his face from one of these fucking guys going after him so this one of these guy one of these bear men come after him and he has to fend for himself right because right before everybody wakes up Herger's like you better fucking get your shit together and he's like but I'm not the fighter and he's like you are now and he fucking gives him a sword and he's like yeah when, when we get up 
uh, when they break in, we're all going to get up and we're going to, you know, fight, you know, we're all going to put our backs together and then fight these things. So one of these things goes after Antonio Banderas and he fucking stabs it in the stomach. Yeah. But it doesn't like go all the way through and it fucking grabs the sword, grabs Antonio Banderas and fucking body presses him into like a pillar. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, he gets his fucking ass handed to him. And uh, he's scared as shit. See, the thing is, they have the upper hand because they have the fear on these people. So, yeah, so so they all split. Um, and all of the bodies that, ha- you know, these guys killed a few of these things, right? Um, or these, these guys. And all the bodies are gone. So they're like, well, what the fuck happened? Oh, they must be demons. They're demons. And they're like, no, they must have took the fucking dead bodies with them, I think. Right. Yeah, I liked how these guys are there and they're kind of like... Like, they don't see through it immediately, but like, nah, something else is afoot here. Well, because uh, Beowulf's like, well, this blood looks pretty fucking real on my sword, so... I think even Herger says, like, yeah, the Arab gutted one, but I don't know where that one is. Yeah, exactly. Well, then the next fucking morning, you know, no defenses, no... Guess what? Now they got him. They're gonna fucking build him, man. They've turned this place into a fucking thorn, uh, like, just up, like, it's just covered in spikes. Side note, there's just, like, this chick who's, like, kind of Antonio Banderas' love interest, but they don't really do anything with it, which I'm happy, which I was happy about. She's just kind of there to take care of him. She puts, like, cow piss on his face <laughs> to heal his wounds. Yeah, he's like, just water, just water. She's like, all right, cool. When the pus sets in, you have a fever the next morning, then you die. Don't come complaining to me. <laughs> and he's like, all right, put the cow piss on my face. Put the cow urine on my forehead. <laughs> piss on my face. Rawhead, do it. You must really like this rawhead character. I've never heard of him before. Baptize you. You gonna put this on a rag, or should I just uh, let you stand over me and just... She's like, nope. She licks her finger, sticks it in the bowl, wipes it in his forehead. He's like, what have I done? Just get on your knees there. Uh, also in this scene, while they're building these forts, uh, or not forts, building these uh, defenses, Antonio Banderas can't cut this fucking wood with this big-ass sword he's wielding. It's a fucking broadsword. It's like 200 pounds. Yeah, they gave him a, they gave this this small man who's not accustomed to this kind of weapon, like, a fucking claymore. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, he's swinging this thing like it's a fucking 10-ton baseball bat. He's like fucking Monster Hunter with that thing. He goes up to the fucking smithy, and you kind of see it from, like, far away. So you don't really hear what he's saying. It's so good. I love this scene. He's like, you have metal work here. I need to do something. And then he uh, makes a sword that he would not have known about or had at this time period. But nevertheless, he gets a scimitar made from his fucking longsword. No, I think they have scimitars in, 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 in Arabia. It wasn't. I looked it up and it wasn't geographically accurate. From where he's from? Yeah. I totally get that because that happens in historical movies all the time. Like people will have like. Uh, anachronistic weapon re-armor. Yeah, I don't know if it was a time period thing or a geographical thing. Like, his, the weapon that would have made more sense for where he's from would have been slightly different. It wouldn't have been curved. But I think even this, even people who aren't familiar with that, like, even, like deep uh, experts would be like, oh, that's a weapon I familiarized myself with that part of the world. No, yeah, and I think the idea more so is that it's like, to show the differentiating to show the differences between the Viking weapons and his, you know, he's got this skinny, you know, curved sword, and they have these big-ass fucking weapons. Yeah, that he understands how to use intimately, which I guess, like, as a noble, like, I do expect him, because, like, sure. there's no there's no mention of him being combat trained, but I guess as a noble, it's like, yeah, you would be. You'd have access to, like, you know, all kinds of privileges, like combat training. I saw Game of Thrones. I know how this works. He, <laughs> he starts flipping this fucking thing around like he's a goddamn expert swordsman, man. And they're like, yeah. Dude, he's Zorro. When you, when you, <laughs> the one dude's like, when you die, can I give that to my daughter? Okay, that dude 
was one of the people I recognized in this movie because that guy is from Doctor Who and he played Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, the only guy I recognized was fucking Marcus from Underworld Evolution, the redheaded guy. Yeah. The fucking vampire lord. That's what I'm talking about. Same guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ginger guy. That's another thing. Like, with the exception of Antonio Banderas, I, I mean, this movie's full of... Oh, that guy, but I have no idea. Oh, yeah. So it's a movie that, unless you were, like, super into it and re-watching it over and over again, like, you can follow it. Sure. But, you know, I have no idea who the fuck who is who. I kind of like that, though, because it kind of makes it more real for me. No, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, when, when I don't know these, especially when I don't know these actors from anything else, like... Right. They're just, they exist as these characters in my head, so it just, it just, it's kind of immerses me more. Um, It's kind of why I think, like... Blair Witch works because you're like, those aren't actors. I have no idea who the fuck those people are. Well, right. And I guess my point is, like, I think when a movie like this uh, has characters that I don't really know the names of because, you know, they have thick accents and it's not really the point, but I can still watch this and say, oh, I'm kind of upset that guy just died, even though I don't know his name. Like, that's that's well done. Sure. Yeah. I got very attached to these people with minimal time because I was like, look at these jovial, like, murderous fucks. I love them. Which kind of speaks volumes. This next scene, man... We have one ginger, but wait, no, we actually have a second ginger. We have the tall ginger. <laughs> working for this fucking shitheel uh, prince. He's the fucking mountain, dude. This guy's gigantic. This guy is huge. Um, he, He's tall, but like when he, ta- he has his shirt off later, like in a few minutes later, like he's digging for the mud. You're like, oh, you're the fucking, you're a string bean. Herger basically challenges this guy to a fucking duel and he goes, he goes to Beowulf. Oh, you can't get involved with this. And I guess the idea is if he takes this fucking guy out, the prince has doesn't have a fucking leg to stand on to go against them. Exactly. The woman who was um, tending to Antonio Banderas' wounds comes up to him a little bit later and says like, offers him water. Um, and she's like, the the king's son is basically saying that you guys are here to steal, like, you know, the king's kingdom from him. Like, you're here to usurp the throne. Um, and he's putting that in his ear. He's putting distrust in his ear. Um, so just let you know. He's like Grima worm tongue. Yeah. Fucking A. So they're like, all right, we got to shatter this dude's mor- we gotta shatter this dude's confidence and morality real fucking fast. So they just basically come up with a plan to uh, embarrass him and take out one of his uh, most, uh, I would say. His bodyguard. For sure. Yeah, his bodyguard. Um this 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 fucking redwood of a man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to describe it. it. It's a great fucking scene. It it really is though. I love this whole sequence because like Herger is like half this guy's size. Um, and so he he eventually he essentially provokes him by just continuously throwing dirt on him, <laughs> exponentially more and uh, more more mud and wetter mud as it goes. Like yeah, from this fucking ditch they're they're digging. It's like a little like at first and he's like stop it and then it happens again it's a little more he's like I said stop it and then like it looks like he gets hit with shit yeah he goes what are you a dog yeah he's like you dig like a dog and he's like oh what are you calling me a dog and he's like no I didn't say that and he's like what are you saying I'm deaf and he's like I didn't say that either yeah <laughs> that's the best part the fucking guy tries to de-escalate it and he's just like nah we're doing this <laughs> like six times and then the whole time that they're about to start this fucking duel Antonio Banderas is the only one that's like we need to stop this this is crazy have some civility and Beowulf's like, it's all part of the plan, little Arab man. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> Enjoy the show. <laughs> he's like, he's going to die. And he's like, just yeah. relax, okay? So this fight goes very one-sided for a while. Like, Herger has his piles of shields that he keeps going through. And, like, this dude is just, 
And I like how they set up how strong this guy is. Yeah. Just by having all of his Herger shields fucking break. Shatter. This dude is pounding on Herger the whole time. The whole thing of this is like there's three shields on either guy's side, right? So the whole thing is like you break three or you go through all three and then then you don't have a shield and then it's kind of like, okay, finish him kind of thing, right? So this dude is just fucking walking through her a lot and then like Antonio Banderas is so freaking out he's like he's like what the hell stop this <laughs> so Herger is like he's just getting throttled by this dude left and right his last shield breaks and he kind of takes a knee to get killed yeah it takes a knee to die and Redwood looks over at uh at at, at Prince Asshole and he kind of gives him the nod Goes to execute him. Herger stands up, sidesteps, and cuts his dude's head off. Fucking just cuts it right <laughs> off. He splatters blood on this old woman's face. It's great. It's so good. And then he dumps like a barrel of water on his head like a fucking Gatorade celebratory thing. Didn't he throw money at his corpse too? Like, yeah. Give him a nice funeral. He fought well. <laughs> it's fucking so good. He just throws a fucking pouch of coins. And Yvonne goes over to him and he's like, what the hell? What's what? Why the ruse? And he's like, you gotta make it look like it was a hard fight. Yeah. Because he's like, he's feigning that he's like running out of breath and shit. And then like the second after the fight's over, he's like totally fine. Not wheezing at all. He was like, why the deception? He's like, deception is everything. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, anybody can just measure a man by his size. But like... What you don't know is the scary part. And that just shook that motherfucking prince that he just decapitated this dude. Yeah. That guy goes fucking walking off kicking the dirt and you don't hear from him again. Yeah, he that's his ultimate defeat. He just leaves the movie. Um, Yeah, but I like what he says. He's like, uh, he's like he tried measuring us by strength by basically like, one, I think they were the impression they're also getting is like, don't flex with your fucking bodyguards, you piece of shit. Right, yeah. So like they flexed back on him in an even bigger way. So now like if this prince were to have any sort of... Uh, advantage in this quarrel between the, two, the bunch of them again he have to think outside of things he can't like he, he can't measure by what he sees he has to start using his head which i think they know he can't do right that's exactly what it is then we go to i i don't know this guy's fucking name but one of the guys with the one of the 13 warriors is up in a fucking tree this is um this is health Dane. this is health Dane. is he the musician he's the guy with the jerry curls the jerry seinfeld haircut yeah he's he was all who i was also calling salt and pepper beard he's on watch and antonio banderas comes and ruck and rides his horse over and throws him like lunch or some bullshit <laughs> yeah he's like why aren't you in the tower he's like well they expect me to be in the tower that's why i'm in the tree and i'm like oh i got that makes sense he's uh, he's about to jump into this thing and like he looks up and he's um, he sees uh, smoke building from the thundering mountains and he's like oh fuck the fire of worm oh yeah the fire of worms coming dude then he gets on his six flags great adventure zip line <laughs> oh my god the fucking grandpa man comes out he's dancing with van damme on the side I think so. That's Grandpa Van Dam. Grandpa Van Dam is riding the fucking Vanga Boys bus. The lesser known of the two Van Dam elders. He is Granny Van Dam's dirty little secret. Okay. <laughs> he only resides in Six Flags though, so you're safe. Yeah, exactly. She has to go to him. God, imagine that she's riding the fucking like Superman ride, just straddling this poor bastard. He's dancing while he's getting it on with her. <laughs> My goodness actually the from the the more amusing outcome is like they go to six flags and like they just do the most pure things like there's no nudity or sex involved and it's like let's ride the teacups again naked they walk out and gunner henson's there with the fucking baseball bat ready to lay down the law <laughs> you have no power here at six flags you have no power here gunner the gray and then he fucking <laughs> he fucking throws his robes off yeah except his robes are like a chicago bears fucking jacket <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the 
with fucking chili dog stains on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, he's got a fucking four pack of fucking. He's got like a he's got like a six pack of Budweiser hanging from his fucking belt. Yeah, like Randy Quaid in fucking Vegas Vacation. <laughs> Granny Van Dam has to flee to Islands of Adventure. <laughs> She's like, he'll never find me here. No one goes to this part of Universal Studios. In fact, Randy Quaid is there, and he and he's there with his two pistols from fucking uh, Pluto and Nash, just pointing him at the back of the. Uh... Uh, excuse me, Granny. I gotta take out Gunnar Henson now. Oh my God. Oh Jesus Christ. Randy Quaid, he's a number sixty-three. I Gunner's <laughs> gonna take him out easy. Just pull out the fucking microchip. He's done. It's true. He's gonna fucking. He hits him on the. Okay, no, that's the whole thing. He, you, oh my! God. He hits him on the fucking face with the baseball bat, and then somewhere else, John Hurt flies away from his crystal ball. <laughs> well, you know what it is, Joe. I think I just cracked it at the end of Pluto Nash. He says he got a number sixty-five. Oh. You know who that number sixty-five is? Johnny Five. It's Gunnar Henson. Oh. It could be. You know, he pulls off that Chicago Bears jacket, he's got his staff, and you open up his fucking, you know, front of his shirt, and he's got a spot for a couple of AAA batteries. <laughs> oh, no, now he's a robot? He's a robot wizard? Ah. Well, in this particular, you know, form that was teleported from Pluto Nash, you know, I can't really figure out the timeline on this one. It's a little bit hazy. God, there's a lot of Quantum Leap bullshit going on here. Y- yeah, yeah. Jackson, New Jersey uh, is a strange place. <laughs> can personally attest to that. Fact. That is factual. Deliver pizza there. I never want to do that again. So, uh, they're basically like, oh, fuck, dragon. Um, but, uh, but you just see a trail of, like, it looks like this very slender, uh, row of, kind of like, it's this, it's a trail of fire moving down the mountain, quite frankly. It's exactly what it is. It is an effective, uh, real-world way to portray what a dragon or a fire snake might be. Yeah. And it totally is, I mean, technically it is a fire snake. It's winding down this mountain, and it's just, This is where, again, I was like, if you suddenly said... No, there's a fucking fire serpent coming to that mountain. It's not people. Um, I'd be like, okay. Kind of. Because if I'm looking at that mountain from that village perspective, I'm like, that is scary. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, they know what fire is. They're just, like, yeah. ultra super superstitious. But I guess with, because if you see fire, you think it's not going to move in, in, like, there's a line from Prometheus that says, like, nature doesn't move in straight lines, which is kind of like... It, like, you know when you see something that's natural, you know when you see something that's not natural. And right. the way this row, of, like, it's a it's a snake of fire, like, to, to anyone, to a, to these people, you're like, that's not how fire moves. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Sure. You add the additional layer of this fog that's creeping in, and they're never going to actually stay out and get a good look at these things. And, you know, unlike the 13 warriors do, um, they just see this fucking, you know, flames essentially, like, coming down from the mountain. They're like, oh, fuck. It, it just means bad news. So then uh, Herger's just like, all right, little brother, it's beginning. And then these motherfuckers go after the village. I fucking love this entire sequence. Dude, it, it's Helm's Deep, man. Oh, it, oh, the fucking orcs siege Helm's Deep. That's what happens. Unfortunately, though, for this film, it is a way darker than I would have preferred. Um, here's the thing with this. It's not as grandiose as... Helm's Deep, because they're... It's a cool fight scene. I'm not trying to knock it too much. No, 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 no. I, I'm Just hear me out real quick. Like, there's a ton of these savages, right? 
like a shit ton. When we say this fire stripping's coming down, there's got to be what? They got to be rolling like fucking 200 deep at least. Yeah, and because and we know this because during the, so they see these things come in the mountain and they start setting up the village for defense and they even close like a gate that's got, you know, spikes and shit all over it. But Antonio Banderas, who has like eyes like a fucking eagle, sees uh, another child running up to the woods. Um and basically, his call is like, I have to get that kid out of there, or those those fucking this, monsters down there are going to tear her up. Um, hops on his fucking, you know, his his ridiculous horse, um, and from the callback from the early beginning of the movie, um, jumps over this gate of spikes and goes down and gets this kid. But as he does this, he gets close enough to see it. This is just hundreds of dudes on horseback with torches. Like, so close together that it looks like a solid being. Yeah, like, when he, when he's close to them, like, it's, he just, there's just smoke filling the area because there's so many of these goddamn things. Yeah. So, it's a little kind of stupid because they're surrounding this, they could take this fucking town. Easy. Like, no problem. There's that many people. Um, so that's kind of the only problem I really had with this scene. But other than that, this fucking scene rules. They're like, they like go around. They're like scoping it out. Yeah. Yeah. They're also hurling torches over the fences of these people, like, which is just the meanest thing. Yeah. They're getting fucking Robin Hooded because they, they shoot fire arrows into like the, um, the building and it catches on fire. Yeah. And one of the, um, one of these, the Vikings with like tattoos in his face, like, he attempts to grab a burning arrow or a torch off the roof of one of these buildings and gets hit with, like, nine or ten more arrows while he's up there. Dude, he gets stuck to the side of this building because, like, ten arrows just impale him. He's not laying on a roof where he's, like, you know, it's not naturally flat. He's, like, scaling down the side of this roof and goes, tunk, 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 tunk. Like, you know, they're cooking them, like, barbecue, and you just kind of hear from the, uh, the cannibals. You just hear one of them yell out, Meat's back on the table, boys! <laughs> And then they just fucking charge. Can we eat their legs? They don't need their legs. They're not for eating. But maybe they are. So, uh, so Eben fucking, or Antonio Banderas, rather, um, one of these things comes up to him, and he, like, ends up just fucking hacking one of these things and, like, killing the, killing one. And he, he falls down on the ground, and he sees that it's a man. And he's like, they're men. They're men. <laughs> they're men. Dude, this is his Michael Jordan special fucking water. <laughs> yeah, he's got fucking Mike's special juice, special stuff. After he sees this is not a monster, he just is like fucking going on a killing spree. Dude, he goes ape shit. I love this. He's like, these are just regular ass dudes. Fuck this noise. And just starts slicing these dudes to pieces. He starts hacking motherfucks. He's like cutting people's fucking heads off and fucking stabbing people and just screaming like a fucking madman. Shimitarin motherfuckers. I love, I love that as a way to motivate someone because like in the heat of battle when like you're convinced that you're fighting somebody that may be otherworldly and suddenly you're, suddenly you're like, Oh, the playing field is completely even one-on-one? Fuck this, I'm angry. And he just starts killing these assholes. The intimidation factor's so high, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? These people think that they're demons. And then when you suck that out of the environment, you're like, oh, now I'm really gonna come after you hard. Fuck you! I know I can hurt you in every single way possible. Exactly. Yeah, it's so satisfying. You know, they're freaking you out, throwing fire at you, wearing this fucking bear pieces as... as Costume, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing, and now that you add that detail from the book, that these are essentially Neanderthals, like, now a lot of their behavior makes sense. Oh, yeah. Because they are, they would be a very fearful people when, once you start poking at the way they live their lives as far as how they fight war and how they deal with an enemy. Like, sure. Once you, once you crack that very kind of, like, you know, 
old kind of psychology, like these things are going to crumble. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why, like, I don't think their numbers matter too much because if you can break them that easily, then you just have to get to. But the problem is getting to that. Getting from A to B is a lot harder because of their numbers. Yeah, I guess you're right. And I, I don't want to trivialize this scene because, it, again, I think it's pretty good. But essentially, it, it boils down to they do a ton of damage to the Vikings. And then, like Joe was saying a little bit earlier, they just kind of fuck off for whatever reason. And uh, you're down to about, what, like maybe five of the 13 are still alive? Something like that. The the the, the, the guy they call the fat man or, the, or whatever the fat... He fucking punches one of these horses and, like, takes it down, like, breaks its neck, and then gets, like, pummeled with arrows and then finally dies. Well, he gets, like, he gets hit with an arrow. He's like, motherfucker. And then he, like, I think he goes after someone else, and, like, they have to put him down with, like, like a shit ton of it. He gets hit with spears and ar- and arrows. Dude, it, it has to be, like, ten arrows, and then the motherfucker goes down. Um, And then they make, like, a pike wall. <laughs> Beowulf and the remaining Vikings take the take these fucking pikes. He's like, what are we doing with this? He's like, put your foot behind it and we're going to fucking hold them off. The fucking horseback comes in and they're just stabbing these motherfuckers with the pikes. Yeah. Well, I think what happened is they funneled these dudes. Yeah. And when, you, when you start knocking them off their horses like that, it's they're just going to start falling over each other. Yeah, because they're all... It's, it's, like, a, it's like a fucking... Um, a train that's not able to stop, you know? Exactly, yeah. Um, and then they see the fucking main Wendell guy who's got, like, horns or whatever, and then they fucking split, then they retreat. Here's the thing. Um, f- the way I understand it is this main Wendell guy, you know how, like, the guy, they they say that there's a there's a Wendell with, like, um, like horns, right? Right, there's, like, the mother, and then there's the actual leader. Right. That guy doesn't exist in the book. Oh. Like, he's there to just be another fucking testosterone face-off, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so as they're cleaning their wounds, um, Antonio Banderas finally kind of takes that Viking woman and presumably sleeps with her, but you don't actually see anything. No. It's just kind of an implied thing. I kind of like that it's very casual. Yes, it's not, like, in your face. And it is very, like, I know you're not going to be, you're, you could die tomorrow, you might leave tomorrow, so, what? you know, whatever. And usually I will ding a movie for, like, having a female character that is just there for the male but i feel like it was so subtle in this movie that it didn't really bother me also there's there's one touch literally a touch uh that comes up later on that i thought was like a nice yes. button like a guess bookend in that little development there's also a great line where herger goes to uh to Ahmed and he's like yeah so uh did you get it on and he's like listen i'm a gentleman i don't talk about that yeah he does <laughs> <laughs> I also love this part, like right before, right before he lays, he lays with that chick. He's like, Herger comes up and he's like, "Oh, you you want a drink?" And he's like, oh, I cannot taste the fermentation of grape or wheat." And he's like, "Yeah," and he he starts laughing at him. He's like, "Here you go, asshole. It's made from honey." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, you moron. We've been offering you this whole time." And he's like, "Okay." Yeah, because there's a scene earlier where he where it's this that the woman offers him uh, the pitcher and he's like, "Is it wine or water? Or is it meat or water?" She's like, "It's water." And then he takes it. It's like he's had this aversion to mead the whole time because he thinks it's wine, but it's not wine he's accustomed to. It's honey wine, right? Which is strange because it's like. Is he like allergic to it, or I don't know? I think it's a, I think it's a religious thing. I'm not sure. I don't. I, oh, it might yeah. be. Yeah, you're right. Then they go to this fucking mad seer, as I like to refer to her as. Oh, fucking Agra! First of all, they what? They're like, cause okay, so the queen in this village is like, I know someone who can help. So that she takes her to like another kind of oracle or a seer or something like that. They walk into this woman's tent, and she is laying on her side 
with her hands beneath her cheeks, with bug eyes, <laughs> okra-looking hair, and a massive grin on her face. In me, like it, the moment you lay eyes on her, you're like, "Oh, she's out of her fucking mind." Like, <laughs> dude, she looked high as hell. Yeah, she's like, "You want it? You've come to know about the Great Conjunction?" Yeah, I was getting fucking stoned just looking at this woman. <laughs> oh, and she never leaves the position of laying on her side. No. Her head is planted firmly against. She's like, she's like, "Hello, yes, um, seek the earth, bye." <laughs> this is my nap time, and I'll be damned if you're going to interrupt it. Yeah. I feel like she's one of those, like, characters that acts crazy just so that no one bothers her, but really she's just, like, fucking farting around, relaxing all day. Yeah, she's like, all right, you figured me out. What do you want? She basically explains how you need to go and kill the mother of Grendel, oh, excuse me, the mother of Windle. <laughs> the Windle, plural. I don't know why they think this is going to defeat these fucking people, but they, they go with the idea. It's to completely de- deplete their morale. I think that goes back to what I was just talking about, because without the detail of them being Neanderthals or primitive people, when you add that detail back, and you're like, oh, it's because their belief system is very, you know, it's it's outdated. Right. And they're, the way they think about this would, of course, be outdated. So, of course, you can shatter them just by, you know, killing a leader. Mm-hmm. But I, But within the context of the film, without that detail in there, it just looks like she pulls this out of her ass. Right, but you're also defacing their religious beliefs, too. Like, that's, that's a big plot point. For history in general. Uh, yeah. Right, with the feminine statue and everything. Well, yes, not only that, but like an imposing force um, basically destroying uh, important um, things right in front of your face, i.e. religious artifacts or anything holy to really right. really break your morale and break down the enemy and, you know, make them weak and faithless. And it would be even more fucked up based on the way this movie kind of wraps up. If these people weren't cannibals, I'd be a little bit more upset about it. Well, yeah. it's actually, Well, it's their fault, too. They fucking, I mean... The whole reason they're going after him is because they've been invading the village eating people. Oh, yeah. No, no, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's not like they're trying to wipe him out for their land or something, you know? Well, yeah, you know, it's this is not America. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, so they track them kind of using the, the charred remains of this fire worm, and uh, they, they lead up to their, I guess their their den let's call it man and then this movie becomes the descent for like 20 minutes it's fucking rad i fucking love these scenes i always i was connor and i were discussing this before um and just like i don't know there's something about uh bc fucking people going around in caves hunting quote-unquote like monsters i don't know there's just something about it it's fucking great um Real quick, before they go into this cave, I love the exchange between them all because they're like, oh, well, they retreated, they bleed, and they must sleep if they're men, right? Yes, and that, well, that's how they figure out, that's where they, because this woman says, seek the earth. Yeah. When she tells him to go, how to find these things. And they're like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, they, and then Banderas comes up with this, like, epiphany. He's like, you know, they dress like bears. They Maybe they think they're bears or are presenting themselves like bears. Like, where do bears sleep? And that's how they kind of come to that conclusion. Yeah, and they're like, in a cave, a.k.a. in the earth. And then <laughs> Beowulf's like, all right, the plans get her. Let's go. <laughs> straight up like they're like they're like yeah we're gonna go in there and we're gonna kill him here we go and they kind of come across this uh they they find this cave and they kind of approach from the top it's really neat it's like behind a waterfall and there's like a bridge that goes through to this fucking cave i was watching this my first thought was like 
cut the fucking bridge down. Well, then you can't get to the cave. Well, then they can't get out of the cave. <laughs> well, yes, they can, as we find out. Well, I don't think they know that. There's got to be another way out of there. They would have figured it out eventually, but I, I'm with you, Connor. I thought the same thing initially. Yeah, cut the fucking cut the fucking bridge down. Well, they sneak in because they, they figure out the cave is kind of below the alcove that they're watching over. And they sneak in and they just start ganking people in these fucking tents. There's backstabbiness all over the place, arrows and eyes. They shoot this guy in the face with a fucking arrow. It's really cool. <laughs> I love that dude. Okay, that shot is great because this dude gets shot and it doesn't, it's not shoot, fall, cut away. It's this guy gets hit, his head goes back. And he just slowly falls down like a tree. You see the fucking thing pop out of the back of his head. Yeah. And, he's and then, you know, Eben, he fucking, he puts on like this uh, monk fucking bear uniform on. And he's like walking around like with his hands folded. And he kind of walks up to the cave. And these uh, cavemen are just kind of like freaking out that he won't respond to him. And then the fucking Vikings just charge out and just decimate them in seconds. Shanks his motherfucker in the neck. Even in small numbers, like when it's this close, like. The the Beowulf and his men have like the, the distinct physical advantage. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, and honestly, like this whole cave sequence might be my favorite part of the whole movie, uh, just because it's it's essentially a fucking stealth mission. Yeah, it is. A, th- this like okay, and he did with this with Predator too, but like McTarion seemingly just effortlessly knows how to blend bits of horror into an action film. But, like, it's really neither of the two of those? No. Because, like, Predator kind of acts like a horror film. It's just really tense. It's suspenseful, I guess is the word, right? Yeah, but, like, he's, it's, it's, like, this is freaky because uh, they have to keep quiet the whole time. And these things are just, they, these things are fucking spooky up close. Because even outside their bear costumes, like, these are cave-dwelling cannibal people who we could never hope to reason with. No, oh, no. And they're and they're and all they're going to do is they're going to go batshit and fucking swarm your ass, and then you're done. Yeah. Because now you're on their turf, so they have the advantage. So uh, we enter the city, the, you know, the center of the fucking Misty Mountains into fucking Goblin Town. And then Pippin knocks a corpse into a well. <laughs> Fool of a chook! <laughs> I mean, honestly, the way Banderas was fucking flopping around in this place, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the one that did it. I love that they they, they they take their armor off to crawl around and be quiet. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool little tidbit. They have several really tense moments. Like, this is already a tense situation, but, you know, ratchet it up. Because first you have this fucking, like, stone get knocked over, and they just freeze. Yeah. And they're crawling in a small, like, trench in this cave just out of the line of sight. And, like... All it really takes is someone just looking in the right direction, the right moment they'd be seen. But if oh yeah, you know, if they're absolutely quiet, they won't get caught. But yeah, at some point, someone knocks over like this bundle of stones, and the whole room just gets hushed. Well, they keep moving, and <laughs> they get to this fucking waterfall, and they're the, you know below the waterfall, they can see all these people kind of uh, in the distance in these little alcoves like that are built into the rock face. And uh, they're like, okay, we're going to swing around the waterfall and then kind of climb down so that it's harder to see us. Yeah. yeah. Just going down one guy at a time. And, of course, all the Vikings do it flawlessly. But Banderas is like shit in his fucking britches. Because <laughs> he hates heights. I am not a fan of heights. <laughs> fucking Daniel Stern's there. He's like, come on, man, just belay yourself off. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was that kid that climbed Kilimanjaro. <laughs> 
Mount Kilimanjaro. It wasn't Daniel Stern. He was he was also shitting his britches. That's what they were missing. They just needed Daniel Stern to walk between that waterfall so he could lay down across it and they just walk across it. Just like so the Vikings can step on Daniel Stern. <laughs> yes. Dude, he he would have just collapsed into the water with the weight on top of him. <laughs> Beowulf would have stepped on him and snapped his spinal column in half because that dude is huge. And Daniel Stern is a literal string bean. The Jewish man is dead. Yeah. Uh, like I'm just imagining like that dude stepping down like Daniel Stern giving that scream he does in Home Alone 2 when he gets electrocuted. And then his legs just fly up into the frame. I think right before this or right after this, they come to um, the giant stone idol that all the other ones have like little mini versions of like the fucking the gift shop version of. And then you get the big version of the um, of the Venus idol. And it's just covered in fucking human bones all over the place. I thought they were about to throw another fucking uh, curveball at us. I thought some big fucking creature was going to come out, and then, like, I thought about it for half a second. I was like, oh, wait, this is an entire civilization of cannibals. Like, of course there'd be bones all over the place. No, I thought the same thing, too, because I was like, oh, maybe only, maybe they worship this fucking thing? Like, the mother isn't actually a human? Yeah, like, are we going to get legit Grendel's mother? Right. And we don't. We we get a cool sequence, but we don't get that. No. Um, but yeah, they, they all get down the waterfall, and at one point Banderas fucking slips and gets like rope burn and kind of yells out and uh they all freeze again and uh thankfully some warriors are kind of coming down the walkway where they just came down from and no one hears it and uh as they're making their way because their whole plan is that you know go down the waterfall get in the water and just kind of swim over there and just kind of like stealthily take out everyone down there Mm -hmm. and then some kind of uh ritual is uh starting while they're making their way over there dude they fucking climb out of the water into this praying circle and they all line up around all these dudes and they just fuck these dudes up they took destroy these people one guy gets impaled on a fucking stalactite or stalagmite whichever the one is sticking up out of the ground and then while they're fighting these guys um they're like oh beowulf go you know go get the go get the mother or the female or whatever so he runs into this cave and and finds her and she's hanging out with um one other dude and fucking he gets cut in half also hanging in this room are these fucking branches with the heads of his fucking dead allies the fucking vines with all these fucking decapitated heads that was fucking terrifying okay because like it's they're just sloppily like just placed on these hanging roots from the ceiling yeah why are they there though uh it's ritualistically i don't know it's an intimidation tactic too i guess or it's just like decorum for her room yeah maybe yeah because she's like you know she's just like some kind of priestess when you get down to brass tacks yeah but he goes in there and you can kind of see her holding this fucking bowl and immediately i'm like that's poison and then i see a snake hanging off her arm and i'm like yep and she dips a fucking bear claw in it and i was like ah i'm like yep he's getting that oh yeah uh when i brought up the main guy who's who's part of this clan right the guy with the horns the fucking power horns of power or whatever uh, he's not originally in the book and then this woman is supposed to be like this decrepit old gross like fucking van damme-esque monster thing not a monster but like you know she's supposed to be real creepy and old and Michael Crichton, when he came back in to do the reshoots, now this scene was already shot, and in the book, she's old. Uh, Michael Crichton came in and was like, oh yeah, it doesn't look, it won't look good if like the heroes come in and just fucking 86 this old woman. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is make her young and like have them have like a fight, like a face-off fight or whatever. And just be a little creepy, I suppose. I guess, but like, 
I need to see the alternate cut of this fucking movie because I, I, I'm just very curious about what that original vision looked like, you know? Also, I was totally under the impression that that guy he killed in one fucking, like, sword swing was the fucking, like, guy with the horns. That's what I thought. Yeah, I thought he would be by her side the whole time. Right? It's not. Yeah, where was he, where was he otherwise? Like, fucking watching Days of Our Lives? Like, where was he? Like, I don't know, kicking it in the fucking horns of power chamber? I don't know. He was, he was polishing his horns? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they, they go toe-to-toe and like Connor was just saying, he gets fucking swiped in the arm by this bear claw, and then, like, right after that, he just cuts her fucking head off, and it's it's over. Oh, man, he turns around and just swings that fucking broadsword, and off it goes. A lot of decapitation in this movie. He looks around the room, he sees the heads hanging on the roots, he's like, huh? I guess I might as well add it to the bunch, fucking lobs it on there. Yeah. <laughs> so, they have to go deeper into the cave, because if they go back the other way, they're gonna get met with, like, an army of dudes. Who are all very upset. Yeah, so they're going deeper and deeper and deeper, and and he's like, oh, well, it must lead to a, a way out. And they hit a fucking dead end, right? Meanwhile, Beowulf is, is he's in bad fucking shape. Oh, yeah, he's feeling the effects of that poison already. And there's a stream running through the cave, and they're like, oh, follow the stream and we'll get out. Um, so they hit the dead end, and they're like, fuck. Uh, well, if we take turns in twos and fighting these guys, we can, you know, two of us can rest while two of them are fighting them. I'm like, y- y'all are fucking just gonna die in a second well earlier other than this too um health dane takes like a hammer to the chest um and like he initially brushes it off but then uh as they're making their way down this uh this passage like he stops and he's like he's like yeah whatever he's like you have to go without me he says uh today was a good day now get on lady yeah um and this is where uh the body language thing i want to bring up again because Every time Herger announces that someone has died, he gets less and less jovial about it. And when he when Antonio Banderas comes back and tells him, like, yeah, he stayed behind, like, this is the first time where he's like, fuck. Yeah. Like, he's like, this is has to stop happening. It doesn't break him, though. You know, he left him with a thermal detonator, so he did his fucking job. <laughs> you better wind it, man, or else he's just going to throw it down that fucking hallway. Nothing's going to happen. Pink, 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 he's pink. He's going to be screaming like Sagat. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, you know, thinking about it, you know, them going two person at a time fighting, like, you know, not a bad plan for Vikings, but like, they throw one torch in that little fucking area they're standing in, they can't breathe after about a minute or two. No, no. So, Antonio Banderas is like, oh, the fucking waves hitting against, oh, it's Thunder Rock or whatever, outside the fucking, uh, on the, the lakes out there, the stream or whatever. And they're like, all right, well, you know, we might be able to swim underneath the rocks and like, get out. And there might be like a way out, like this feeds into the the stream or the or the the river, right? Because there's like a small little alcove where water's coming in, like small, small, like enough that you could barely fit through. Yeah, and they're basically like, well, let's either risk that, possibly drown, or get eaten by these people, and I'd rather drown. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. And fucking Beowulf's like, we're gonna do it. Here we go. And he, they fucking all jump in and um and they make it out. And they fucking pop out in the river. I would like to know how they got Beowulf through this, to be honest. No fucking clue. Well, he, is, he has balls of fucking iron, okay? like He does. Did, like, one of them just, like, push him up, like, from his feet into that final hole that, like, barely one person could fit through? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, they just tossed him up there? Or, like, one guy went through and pulled him through? He's like, my shoulders are too big. I can't, he's like Winnie the Pooh, I can't fit. Break both of my arms, that'll get through. Cut them off. 
<laughs> no big deal. Yeah, reattach him later like Hisaka. So they make it out and they get back. They go back to the king's fucking fortress. And surprise, fucking Beowulf is still alive. I was honestly surprised by this. Yeah. Yeah, he's very sick and everyone's kind of like, yeah, he'll be dead by morning. Yeah, he's fully accepted. He's like, yep, I'm going to die. And he's like, I'm going to die a fucking pauper. And then the king's like, nope, you're going to die a king. Here's a sword. And he's like, thanks. <laughs> You're gonna die. Here's a sword. And then, and then, like, he, this is the part of the movie where, like, I, I feel it start to kind of fall apart or get real reshooty. <laughs> We're fucking wrapping this up, baby. This is where the movie gets into its equilibrium ending. Yeah, exactly. Where they're like, "All right, wrap this shit up right fucking now." We're way over budget, so just get it done. Get as many shots of Antonio Banderas looking off into the distance that we can use in between shots. As possible. <laughs> Where's that Banderas B-roll? Put it in there. Before this uh, this very quick ending sequence happens, like, uh, Bill basically says, like, uh, he asks Antonio Banderas' character, he's like, hey, write about me. And he's like, done. Well, and then Banderas, he actually prays uh, to Allah. Yeah. He gets on his knees, he takes his fucking boots off, and, he, and he's praying, you know, get us out of this alive. Like, please, protect us. But I think he says, like, if you can't, then let the next few minutes at least be enjoyable. Yeah, I, I love that because, like, that kind of brings that whole thing full circle of him, of his accounts, like, in those diaries. Or, or manuscript, rather, about his adventure. You know, he's like fucking Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. He writes about his adventure with the fucking dwarves. So Beowulf's story lives on, you know, because there is no there is no author to Beowulf, right? But now there is. Get it? What's happening here is that they can hear the rallying cries of, like, these these savages they just kind of tried to decimate. But now, like, they're pissed. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, they'll be back tonight. And then you just fucking hear the war horn and everybody starts fucking piling in. Did I say tonight? I meant right now. But, yeah, you know, they're about to go into this fucking final confrontation, not sure if they're gonna live or die, and uh, Beowulf fucking in this, like, poison stupor just stumbles out with his dog it's pretty badass. I fucking love this. And I love the fact that the dog survived the whole movie. Yeah. And then he's he's pale and sickly looking, like he can barely hold his sword. Um, And uh, he starts to say a prayer too. And it's, uh, Arlen actually commented the entire thing on my Instagram page. It's like a Viking prayer, right? Yeah. It's really cool. But the important part about it is that like he starts saying it and then Herger joins in and the other guys join in and then Antonio and Banderas joins in to finish it with them. So like this is like, yeah. in the moment, like their cultures have fully merged and like they're brothers in the battlefield. It's awesome. And this is great. And then it's just kind of like... <laughs> And then a fight happens really fast. Really quick. There's, like, a couple splashes of blood and shit like that. And then, like, the fucking, the, the main guy with the horns, right? Like, they they kill a bunch of people. Like, they kill a bunch of warriors or whatever. And then this dude comes off his, or, or uh, excuse me, um, Beowulf knocks this guy off his horse. And he's got some type of bone armor on or some shit. And he, like, hits him with a fucking broadsword and, like, knocks his ass down, like, twice. Yeah. And the second time he hits him, he falls down. And then he just walks over to him and stabs him through the chest. And then he's dead. And it's over. And the enemies are like, we see you have boom boom sticks. And they leave. Literally over. Like, he's like no sooner does that fucking sword go through him, everybody's turning around, turning tail, and fucking getting out of dodge. Well, and then Beowulf uses the rest of his fucking strength, because he didn't use it killing this guy, to climb up on this makeshift fucking uh king's throne and he dies smiling yeah he just stands sits there and dies and they're like oh beowulf's dead yeah right before his head died he said uh, 
<laughs> that was it's probably really accurate, actually. Death is but a door, time is but a window, I'll be back. And that's where he came back from. Sure did. He was in a fucking painting. Yeah, he closed his eyes, opened them again, and Peter McNichol was standing in front of him. <laughs> okay, are you suggesting that Eben painted the Vigo portrait? Holy fucking shit. There it goes. <laughs> now, full circle. Oh, you mean, what, do you mean, what do you mean suggested? That's actually what we're saying. <laughs> and, like, the whole Vigo, the Carpathian thing was, like, an over-exaggerated story of, like, his life. Of this? <laughs> Oh, my God. The MDU is a crazy place, but an accurate place. Oh, man. I I like it. So, yeah, like Connor said, the dog lives. And actually, in fact, the dog fucking straight up bites the shit out of one of these warriors' faces. Rips his throat out. Oh, the dog is is explicitly shown ripping someone apart. It's fantastic. Also, like that is a war dog. This dog is interesting because I think it's an Irish wolfhound. Yeah, it totally is. Bonzo dog. It is stark red. Um... Like, it stands out every time you see it. It's awesome. It's also, it's its coat is grown out and filthy looking. It's awesome. He looks like a dog who's just seen a million fights. Yeah. And any movie where a dog lives throughout the entire film where it's constantly put in peril earns a lot of points with me. Sure. Um, And then we get, and then this is the real awkward portion because, like, we watch somebody get a full Viking funeral before and you'd think we've traveled the entire film with this guy. You're going to see him get his funeral. They, like carry him on a piece of wood and then it just fades out and then we're on the boat with fucking antonio banderas going home they don't even change his clothes no. they keep him in the same bloody muddy rag he was in before and like he's not he's not he's not ornately posed his arms are just kind of ragged on off the side <laughs> no fucking sword no like no like crossed arms holding the fucking sword or whatever yeah they're like they're like yeah he's gonna get a burial by yeah they gotta go ship his body to japan where they'll reanimate him and he will face off against the teenage mutant ninja turtles in about 300 years <laughs> Um, it looks like they're gonna throw him over a cliff, and then it like fades out. <laughs> they pass by Calabos and just nod. <laughs> what are you doing out here? I'm gonna throw my daughter in the ocean. Oh, funny story. Oh, cool. Look out for lightning. We got some other. We got some, we got another package for you. Here you go. It's our fucking king. Just throw him over the side. <laughs> fucking Calabos is the garbage man for people. <laughs> oh my god. I toss him in the ocean. You bring him. I toss him. So then the music kicks up. Gandalf walks in. <laughs> Bilbo joins Antonio Banderas on the boat off into the sunset to visit the fucking elves. <laughs> we just go right to this boat, and Antonio Banderas is on it. Like, we we can't even have him say goodbye to Herger in any real way. Yeah, give him, like, a hug or no. a fist bump, nope. nothing. High five. Dude, it's it's almost like the director is off screen going, like, wrap it up. Like, Antonio Banderas is like... 30 feet offshore and the boat is moving and they're screaming to each other and and he's like and he's like hey uh I'm going to pray to... I know you only have one god, Antonio Banderas, but we have a lot of gods, and I'm going to pray to all of them to make sure you get safe passage. And Antonio Banderas is like, what? He's like, goodbye, Arab. And Antonio Banderas is like, see you later, Northman. Yeah, but he, like, mutters it. He doesn't even, like, yell it out to the guy. No. And then he writes his fucking story at the end in Arabic. Yep. There and back again. <laughs> An Ahmed Iban Falad story. <laughs> North men again. And I think he writes it on the boat, I think, is the implication there. I, I no, they well he shows him back somewhere in like a in like a house or a hut or some shit and he's and he's writing it and he's like I think he's under he's like in the bottom deck of this fucking boat because you know, as he's 
as he's writing it, it fucking pans out to this fucking uh, toy-looking boat on the water with the music playing as the fucking elves come out and how you know lead the way. Yeah, it's very ornate, and he's just like, and that was the story of Beowulf, and now it's over. I will go down in the annals of history. I'm starting to sound like Christopher Van Lambert again. He's coming through. Yeah, you and accents are dodge relationship. Oh man. Well, you're just stay uh, lowly podcast host. You're not being paid millions of dollars to sound like an Arabic man and uh, not achieving it. In fact, I'm not. We're not getting paid anything. So go figure. There you go. So I guess I'll do the I'll do the Christopher Van Lambert accent because fuck you. So I get there and back again. Goodbye. And then they fucking cut to credits. Yeah, basically. That's 13th Warrior. And that's the 13th Warrior. Are we buying a ticket for this? Are we torrenting it? Or, or are we going to wait for VOD? Ticket, day one. Love the shit out of this movie. I love uh, Norse mythology. Their history, I'm a little uh, dodgy with. Um, but this is blending a bunch of stuff I like about history, which is like stuff you don't get to talk about in school a lot. This is like, the, this is... Old world stuff, um, and it's spooky. It's weird. Uh, it's it's playing off old cultural fears, and then it kind of it's it's this again. It's this cultural meeting that I really love. Uh, it's super suspenseful. I like the action sequences, and it's just it's lots of aesthetics. It, bleh, aesthetics that I love. I think the acting is all pretty fantastic, um, and this felt nice and brisk, and I didn't feel bored at all during it. And I don't really have any complaints about it. Um, the ending sucks, but doesn't ruin the experience. Uh, yeah, ticket, absolutely. And it's, I don't, it's, I don't have a lot to say about it, because I just sat there, like, kind of beaming with joy the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Just had such a good fucking time with this movie, that I, I was like, okay, even all of its little flaws, like, don't bother me at all. Um, so yeah, definitely a ticket thing. Yeah, I'm buying a ticket, too. I, I really had a good time with this. Um, like I had said at the beginning of the episode, like I saw a bunch of trailers and just, it, I just never caught the ride. Like I never, I never watched it. I don't know why I never did. Um, I wanted to, and I just never did. And now I finally did for the show. And I'm really happy uh, that we did it because uh, this is a movie that really shit the bed in more ways than one on the production side and going, you know, between going over budget and being reshot like crazy and, and just fucking not being released for three fucking years and, and, and being rescored and all this bullshit. Um, all of that being said, we came out on the other end with a fine movie. Like I dig this movie. Like I'll totally watch this again. Um, in the near future. Um, it's really well acted. I love all the set pieces. Um, again, uh, Connor had already mentioned like the Norse mythology and and just just the just the Norsemen in general. I like that whole kind of culture and 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 spending time with those people and what they do and how they do things. Um, and again, the cultural mashups here between you know the kind of upper class uh, Arabic poet getting kind of thrust into this fucking knock around guys kind of um, you know mercenary esque type group of really down and dirty fucking dudes uh was a delight to watch and kind of of kind of him gr- and and him grow with um and the camaraderie between the both of them against a common enemy was also really cool um even though they were kind of like subhumans i guess but yeah uh straight up uh buy a ticket for this it, i it was great i had a really good time um i you know i like this movie but I'm not as high on it as you guys are, so I, I'd probably get this on VOD. 
you know, watch it at home. Listen, I watched three to four seasons of the fucking History Channel show Vikings, like, back to back. Like, I binged that shit to get caught up on that show several (laughs) years ago. So I'm all in on the fantasized Viking history type shit. Uh, you know, I like Thor, which I guess is maybe not a fair uh, comparison, but hey, I'm going to throw it out there. So, I, you know, I like Vikings or the concept of them. Uh, I don't know if I'd like them if I met them because they'd either murder me, rob me, or, you know, a bunch of horrible things they'd probably do to me. But, you know, I like them as uh, uh, a genre, I guess, let's say. But uh, They're interesting. It's not uh, exactly. And, you know, this isn't a film I'd probably go see in theaters, but, uh, you know, if it was on TV... Uh, or it was on demand and I was looking for something of this nature, I definitely would check it out. You know, good movie, but uh, not my favorite. We also were talking about the Tammy and the T-Rex uh, cut, the gore cut in the beginning of this episode too, <laughs> which is going to be great. I can't wait to go check it out. Uh, they're doing it October 11th or October 12th. I can't remember which at the Philomoca in Philadelphia. So if you listen to this episode, go buy tickets to that and I'll see you there because <laughs> we're definitely going because that's going to be fucking great. Uh, I'll just say I watched a scissor reel that Joe shared on Facebook and the amount of violence that was removed from this movie is shocking. That's, <laughs> that's all I can say. It, it cleans up plot holes. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Oh, straight up. Uh, like it is a, it is an alarming amount of gore was removed from that movie. It's a definitive definitive way to see it, man. Yeah, it seems like it. Can't wait. So excited. But um, on that note, um, there is a cut of this film that I believe is another either an hour or a half hour longer without any of the reshoots. It's like the original... Uh, John McTiernan uh, cut with the original score and everything like I and and I need to see that and apparently that hasn't been released to the public at all so what I'm thinking is like okay well if we can fucking get the Tammy and the T-Rex gore cut completely restored <laughs> why the fuck can't I see this film the way that it was originally intended to be if as Hunter uh, one of my Phantom Zone cohorts has implied that we are now willing things into existence then I'm perfectly okay with us having that come back around and suddenly a 13th Warrior extended cut is available I'm with it and you know what I'll watch it I'll watch that version on VOD too <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine but I, I'm into it yeah you know why not I'm, I'm very curious very curious to see what that it's like you know um but yeah jesus christ now there's a couple conflicting factors here that i want to kind of discuss and see what you guys think but um initially or on the books quote unquote um the budget for this was 160 million its opening weekend was 10 million oh well, it made more than Pluto Nash already. This is true. Its gross was thirty-two million, and its cumulative worldwide gross was sixty-one million. Oh, this movie lost a hundred million dollars. That's a shame, dude. It's fuck. It's a big hit. Like, I don't think it deserves that. I guess is what I'm saying. No. Um, I think it's a fine film. Like, I I don't get it. I don't. I don't get that. I, I, you know, I'm not going to look it up now, but I do wonder, like, what else was out at the time that this was released that, you know, caused it not to catch on. I don't know. So this movie and Pluto Nash both lost, like, the same amount of money, I think. Right. Now, here's the other part of this. Now, the original budget or the original uh, 
purported budget was, I believe, $85 million, and then the rest was marketing? Oh, my God. What the fuck? I think, or maybe that was Pluto Nash. I can't remember. If that's the case, though, like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, it, like the original budget was only 85 but then when it went into reshoots... Oh, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. With Michael Crichton everything, it just fucking ballooned like way out of proportion. So it went way past what it was supposed to. Um, but even then, it didn't even, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even fucking broke even at that point still. Um, which is kind of baffling to me. That is upsetting. I, I don't get it though. I, I, I don't see, I don't know why it wasn't really well received. I think it, it like, again, like I think it's a fucking fine movie. It, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. It was a good time. Like I could go, I would Again, like, I would buy a ticket to this and com- enjoy myself. Like, I think it was fine. Even movies that are much more, I guess, like, girthier is a word I would use. Like, Kingdom of Heaven or Troy or something along those lines that, like, that looks that lavish and is kind of set up on, like, being a historical right. epic and, like, with lots of battle sequences. Like, they didn't bomb? As far as I know, I don't think Kingdom of Heaven bombed, but I think people were a little bit disappointed with the theatrical cut, and then you got a director's cut that was like, oh, this is how the movie's supposed to be. Right, exactly, and those films were fucking way longer than this. But, like, that movie isn't known as, like, some notorious box office bomb. No. And, like, I I, I don't see why this is such a is such a commercial dud. I don't understand it. No, and, I, and earning its place amongst like the worst performing movies ever and i'm like yeah exactly and it's like i don't get it that's like it's it's kind of almost on the same wavelength as like howard the duck as like that being one of the worst films ever made but it's totally not i even said it's a movie i didn't personally like but like i'm sorry one of the worst ever made yeah nah. exactly (laughs) no no and like there was no reason for this movie to lose as much money as it did and i really and that's I, i mean that's just like a numbers thing which is just kind of weird but it's not a bad film like at all but with that though like the amount of money lost i'm sure is also well it's it obviously is like tied to like hey maybe don't just like bring in a separate director and, and hire him to just f- film a whole other fucking movie yeah fucking stick with it well apparently it tested really like it was deemed unwatchable by the test audiences uh, yeah, whatever <laughs> that 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 cut was deemed unwatchable then re-edited 17 fucking times and then reshot you know all the sequences but um but yeah i'm i'll tell you one thing i'm definitely gonna grab the uh eaters of the dead book and fucking check that out yeah i kind of read it and like me picking a book i want to read this point in my life is hard but this definitely has my interest so absolutely so that's it that's the 13th warrior from 1999 directed by john mctiernan Hey, everybody, if you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Podbean. And make sure to leave us a five-star review if you dig the show, because it helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Lo, there do I see my father. Lo, there do I see my mother and my sisters and my brothers. Lo, there do I see the line of my people. Back to the beginning. Lo, they do call to me. They bid me take my place among them. In the halls of Valhalla, where the brave may live.